Welcome, film buffs, to the 2024 Don't E Awards. This is the podcast where we do something different every single week. And this week, we watched a bunch of movies from last year, but also last year, we watched a bunch of movies from last year. That's true. Wow. No one said it. It's funny how that works. Uh, and I have with me today esteemed Best Picture nominees. We have the big bomber himself, Oppie Cam. <laughs> Uh, B. Uh, B. Uh, B. Uh, B. Uh, no, uh, I regret my life. <laughs> Flashback. Um, yeah, I like that one. Uh, Cam here. Mm. Albert Einstein. Also in my movie. Huge star power. Throw that guy in any movie. Yeah. <laughs> we have amazing talking dog from Anatomy of a Fall. That's Alex. Hello. <laughs> uh, uh, now I, I'm more I ate interested the pills. in watching that. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, that part sucks. I ate all the pills. That was brutal. Hi everyone. That's the dog. Snoop. 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 I should have pulled that. Uh, I have the exonerated for wife poisoning Seb. I I did not poison my wife. No. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! Yeah. I know what that. What's that one from? Oh, that's uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Okay. I should have given you a different. You should have given me something I could actually rip. Yeah, on. you know what? Let me uh, let me do a take two on that. Of course it I got another one. Another swing. Okay, okay, All right, okay. yeah, yeah. Let's go. Give it. We have they and the heron. Seb. <laughs> <laughs> me. Yay. Hi. Konnichiwa. Uh, and I am your host, a dumpy American boyfriend who doesn't speak Korean, Nick. <laughs> Uh, now, now pretend to cry like a lot. <laughs> uh, that was a good movie. We're gonna talk about that later. Um, so we watched so much last year that doesn't fit directly into the ten nominees for Best Picture. Wow. We watched and more than ten movies. We did watch more than ten movies, and we didn't watch some of the Best Picture nominees. Mm-hmm. Not that we didn't try. <laughs> we fucking we fucking tried. But God himself stopped us from uh, seeing some of it. He said, no, you may not watch Nazis. Yeah. And we're not talking about Willem Dafoe from Four Fingers. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will be later. Oh, nice. That's... Yeah. God, God, God. Wow. Good mm. poll. Okay. Um, so uh, I wanted to talk a little bit. I wanted to give everyone a chance to talk about three of the things they saw last year that were not on this list. And I know that we have a lot of space to do stuff like that. And of course, there's... The... <laughs> What? what? We talked about this for <laughs> 10 minutes before. More we were... than 10 minutes. <laughs> oh. the, the way we did this last time was to take turns. Each person got a turn to say, you know, hey, this is a movie that I saw last year. And almost always one other person at this table has seen it. If not, we'll be able to do a little bit of describing to the other people what the hell actually went on in it. Because there's no way you saw all this shit, listeners. So we're going to try and uh, take you along with us here. A short little discussion. Mm-hmm. This will be 1,000 hours. Wow. It's all right. A 1,000 hour long podcast is something we can handle. We are starting uh, earlier than usual despite uh, dicking around for a long time. <laughs> Not um, that much earlier. Not that much earlier. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but I'll take the lead if you guys want. Go ahead. Um, I Nick wanted never to starts. talk about 
Uh, I wanted to talk about Godzilla minus one. Wow. Which is I still have to ve- watch this. Very exciting because it is the first Japanese Godzilla movie since Shin Godzilla, which we talked about on this show. So is Godzilla a variable, and you're taking wow. one away from it? Like, I what does Godzilla represent? They, okay. they say it. They say he really is Godzilla minus one. Uh, would you like my explanation, the marketing explanation, or the director's explanation? I would like your explanation. My explanation is that they took. One uh, <laughs> It is a film that takes place before the original Godzilla is set. The original Godzilla is set and released in 1954. So this is 1953. This is 1945. Godzilla VG. Or 43 or something like that. It is, it is yeah. a... The point being that this is a Godzilla that starts before Godzilla started. Okay. That is something they've never done before. They've never done prehistoric Godzilla or medieval Godzilla or anything like that because the nuclear bomb is supposed to be what wakes him up mm-hmm. right and so this is the earliest they could possibly set it while keeping that the origin so 1945 yeah yeah so it is very interesting to have it he actually has a there are a couple of scenes where right at the beginning of the movie where godzilla is pre-mutation like he's a creature that existed before the bomb is dropped. So but when the bomb drops, you get to see little Godzilla. Oh, is that the little ugly thing? No, it's not thing? Manila from the, does, the Showa era. Does he hang he out like and that. go beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop? A little bit. Oh, yeah. that's good. I was doing crab motions. Yeah, with my yeah, hands. Yeah. Just, just for our listeners. Yeah. That's the universal sound for <laughs> right, crab right. That's hands. The, no, no, that's no, the Manila no. sound. But um, <laughs> this movie is taking a different uh, viewpoint to the... Godzilla story and idea it is something interesting that I didn't really expect I didn't know what to expect from Godzilla minus one because to me it's like okay it's another go at a Japanese Godzilla but it's not connected to any kind of uh, previous franchise go at connected to the other good one right so he doesn't still have beef with Mothra there isn't Godzilla Jr. there isn't Miss Godzilla it's not (laughs) a sequel to Shin Godzilla even though they just did Shin Ultraman and Shin Kamen Rider which all those were supposed to be part of the same national project I thought going into the movie like I haven't seen a trailer check out our episode on Shin Godzilla which I still think I still think Shin Godzilla is number one. It is, but that is just because it is really hard to top the what, what that movie is specifically going for. The other two are riffing on different things, which kind of. Oh, I, I just meant of Godzilla, but oh, are they owned uh, by the yeah. same uh, company? Are they all Bandai? Or uh, they all... No, 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 no. It's um. I think it's all different directors. I think it's yeah. just a, a blanket rebooting of their like big. Uh, yes. International it's like a, So they all have Shin in front of It's like of a yeah. Japan project thing. There's even like a theme park you can go to that has all three of these things there. Okay. Ultraman, Kamen Rider, Godzilla. So all th- and all also Evangelion, the, which is weird. All, but, the, um, <laughs> all the rights holders are just cooperating? They like to yeah, it's, that's it's, cute. It's, I like uh, that. Yeah, they got, they got some cool stuff going on there. They all make but, um, money off The idea the is basically, rather than... Uh, and, and Godzilla Minus One doesn't fit into that project <clears> because Shin Godzilla, uh, Shin Kamen Rider, Shin Ultraman are all modernizations while keeping it in mind the thing that the original film or TV show was supposed to evoke, the original emotion. This is definitely like, not only are we not bringing him up to date to the modern era, we're going further back than we've ever gone before with this story. Mm -hmm. We're telling a smaller scale story. Which is not to say that buildings don't get blown up, because they definitely do. Definitely big destruction. Mm -hmm. Big, horrible destruction. Yes. Bruce, he goes to Los Alamos. <laughs> yeah. Him and Oppie fight. Like, you woke me up. Grows to 
Yeah, kaiju yes. Well, just like he does in the movie. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> so, <laughs> what made this movie special is the examination on the, the main character, who is a coward kamikaze pilot, who... The, the basically the war ends before he gets the chance to kill himself and he feels that guilt he carries that guilt with him but he also delays it right yes he it is his fault but I mean like supposed to kill myself his fault his fault for living right which is people oh. people had guilt him with or, or try and help him live with through the entire movie and he sees Godzilla as this big you know threat that he has met before he met back when he was tiny uh, he's like, I see killing Godzilla as my responsibility because I'm still alive and I'm not supposed to be. And he could have killed, he maybe could have killed Godzilla. Yes. That's kind of I, in my idea here, we the viewer know that that, that gun that wouldn't would, would not have done shit to if Godzilla. If you were the guy, you would have never been able to. That's true. You would have thought that, oh, I maybe could have stopped. Yes, exactly. Because, you know. It's gonna be telling that story for years. Yeah, I could have exactly. shot Godzilla. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's part of that's pretty much the root of the problem. Is that he? <laughs> yeah. It's like an artillery. You know. Um. So. Uh, when at when, during the reconstruction after the war, um, because the war is over like twenty minutes into the movie, and it's dealing with like uh, Japan at its weakest. You know, no, they have no systems in place for anything. The rubble is still everywhere. You know. Everything is completely bombed out. They just have to reconstruct society. And then Godzilla attacks. It's like, fuck, we're not ready for this. We weren't ready for anything. Um, Tough break. And the the business of reconstructing society is some of the best part of it. Like, he gets a job cleaning up mines in the fucking ocean around uh, around Japan. And, uh, like, that's what he's good for is just like, okay, let's, let's shoot. Let's get these mines up to the surface so that I can shoot them with a gun on the boat. And it's like a very low-yield gun, but just enough to set off the mines so that they can be detonated safely and you don't that like fishing boats don't have to worry about them or whatever. And he's got this really cool ragtag team that he mm-hmm. does it with. He's yeah. got a like crew? Guys. Yeah, they're all Scientist, kind of like boat so. driver, and young hothead, which are important things that you need on your team. Mm-hmm. Uh, the scientist guy in this movie is incredible. He is the best scientist character I've seen in maybe like any work of like he's the best scientist character I can think of in any film. I particularly liked uh, uh, William Defoe, William Defoe's Godwin Baxter uh, from Poor Things as well, another excellent scientist from this year. But um, he's just something about him as like a kind of reedy, thin like. Uh, guy with this like wild hair who, who doesn't go like super crazy. He's not talking about like experiments or whatever. He's just like, well, my idea to kill Godzilla is the dorkiest one that anyone's ever come up with. We're going to use, where it's not flashy at all. We're going to use decompression cool. to kill him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that's his, that's the scientist's plan. And so much of what makes this movie cool to me is that I don't like, you know, I, I've always liked a uh, fantastical, like science fiction stories where the army gets their asses kicked. The army stuff should never work in my eyes, but what does work in this case is like civilian stuff and and like the bonds that they have together just as like a community and as a society and that is what they end up using to take down Godzilla. Not with like a big friendship beam, but with a cool, interesting plan that's fun to watch. And when the fucking theme kicks in, man, when the fucking original 50s Godzilla theme kicks in, man, they earn that shit. It is so good. That's kind of why I wanted to see it in black and white. We were planning on it, but some things fell through. Um, 
our friend of the show, Dom, was able to. But that, like, there are shots that, like, I haven't even seen the original Godzilla, and you can tell that they're doing shots from the original mm-hmm. Godzilla. You should like, see the original Godzilla. I now I want to. It's a, like, shot from, like, below looking up at Godzilla and it's doing the whole blah, blah, That's blah. Cool. It's so <laughs> awesome. And Godzilla's look is awesome. And even the kind of weird CG that Japan is using right now is like, kind of helps the movie. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. It looks like really strange. This movie like looks incredibly way. good. The it's weird to want say you want to see the black and white version, but also the blue of the ocean in this movie is insane. It's like radioactive blue mm. the whole time, which works with the movie. Yeah, definitely. Oh. But, uh, it's Panic. like it's like crazy. It, it, I remember just sitting in the theater being like, the ocean is blue as hell. And also, the central message of this movie makes me feel, it, and something that they dig into a little bit, is that suicide is, is a selfish act. It is yeah. a you. There are people in your life that you have a connection to, and killing yourself isn't going to fix whatever problem you think it's going to fix. It's not going to make it easier for anyone else because the rest of us still got to live here. The know? human story is really, really good in this movie. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, that was on my top three of this year. I'd say. Was mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Seth, you want to give us uh, something off of your list? Oh, are we like going yeah, one by one? That's what okay, I just cool. Said. Um, well, I, I wasn't listening to you. Hey. Yeah. Um, so the first thing I want to talk about, um, for mine, so I'm, I'm going to just go off on all the animation stuff because these guys aren't going to do that. Um, so, um, things that came out this year, uh, Nimona, mm-hmm. um, which is a very long suffering project that, I remember uh, when this graphic novel came out in the 2010s. Yep. Um, by Nate Stevenson. Mm-hmm. Um, who is a trans mask non-binary um, illustrator and author? Um, so they, uh, they he. I'm not really sure what they normally go by, but I think they is good. But um, so uh, they wrote this graphic novel. Um, it started as a web comic, um, and then it got picked up at Blue Sky, um, which was a studio here in Greenwich, Connecticut. Well, not here here but Greenwich is on the other side of the state and it's yeah well it's basically <laughs> part of New York so it doesn't count actually we've mentioned much closer places to our current oh life. yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway so uh, it, it was a point of pride for um, me and you know other artists around Connecticut to be like oh we actually have a studio in our animation Very studio cool. right here that's right the studio oh. behind Scrat yeah, studio. I was trying I to say, pull something. I yeah, it like it, it. wasn't really like they weren't. They were like a like a two star studio. Like I like they had Ice Age. They had I think Rio. They mm-hmm. did Spies in Disguise was their last thing that they wow. uh, released. Um, now they have an Academy Award nominated film. No. Oh. <laughs> so what happened was so Dis- Disney bought them up. Uh, <laughs> Disney bought them up. Um, and then when they weren't making big giant money, um, shuttered them after Sky- Spies in Disguise and, um, Nimona, which they had been, I think most of the way through production on, or good chunk of the way through production on, um, just got tossed and Netflix ended up picking up the rights to it and finishing out the movie. Um, and so it released on Netflix, uh, and it turned out really well for the troubled production that it had and I think Nate was really proud of it and you know was doing like a whole 
um, circuit promoting the movie and everything. Um, but unfortunately, it did only go out on Netflix and not in theaters, which I wish it had gone mm, out in theaters, the honestly. Of most animated movies these days. Yeah. <laughs> been, there were some pretty depressing Netflix releases this year. Uh, my mind immediately jumps to The Killer. Which had mm. were that a it may be discussed later on movie. in this very segment. Yes, were that a released in theaters movie, I think would have dominated discussion for a while. Yeah, and made them a lot of money probably, but that's beside the point. I yeah. do think with animated movies on Netflix, like people have kids and those people need to make lunch, so mm-hmm. animated movies will be on TV <laughs> playing for somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's always been. Um, I think it was TV a, movies, cartoons. I think. Uh, oh, I think it was a real. Uh, the the pandemic was a real like big. I I think it was a like learning experience for these studios because I think a big big piece of the would go see an animated movie in theater audience now is just like they'll put it on Disney Plus. Yeah, it's <laughs> they just handicap yeah it's because. Like, now they're like, oh, I don't they, have to take my four-year-old in the theater. Yeah, I absolutely yeah, am not going dug, to. Yeah, they I completely just, dug their own grave on that. And they keep shortening the period in which, like, you have to wait. Like, yeah, or you, you don't have to like, wait at oh, all. I'll watch it when it's on DVD. It's like, that's, like, fucking ages from now, dude. Anyone yeah. want to put any money on what the first streaming platform to just shutter completely will be? <laughs> Peacock. No. Tubi. I feel like the ones that are Discovery now is already murdered. Hulu. Oh yeah, they're just gonna. Hulu is a good bet. They're just gonna conglomerate. It's Disney. Yeah. Disney owns Hulu, and Disney oh. already has its own oh. thing. Oh, they're cool. already kind of like merging them. Yeah. Yeah. So Hulu I think I think Hulu. Yeah. Whatever Discovery has. Discovery, Discovery Plus. Plus? Discovery, that's already yeah, gone. Like it's already gone. Yes. So I went. No, it, it turned <laughs> into it's it's part of. I thought it had just gone away. And, between when we started this discussion. I, well, I, Wait, didn't, didn't CBS I, have one? Uh, my bet, CBS yeah. All Access. That's my, how we oh, watched no, the toilet. That's right. That's the toilet. That turned into... register for and cancel. That turned into Paramount Plus. Okay. So, that counts as being... Oh, all right. So yeah. I my, my vote is for MGM Plus, which no none of you know exists. Oh, okay, this this yeah. is a tangent inside a tangent, yeah. but I just, I just went on vacation and we flew on JetBlue. And JetBlue has some sort of partnership with Paramount Plus. Oh. So that you get it for free when you're on your flight. But it, every single time they made like a PA announcement, an ad for Paramount Plus would come on. And I'm like, fuck. Uh, oh, that sucks. <laughs> what are they? They have like Nickelodeon. That's all I know. No, maybe it was Peacock. Plane, it was one of those. Because Paramount Plus, the big thing that Paramount Plus has. Whichever one for, has the Minions, have, that one. The what? Whichever one has the Minions, that one. That's Peacock. Okay, it was that's awesome because that's NBC over. Universal. Oh my God! If only. <laughs> no. For a second, we got the Minions yeah, Four coming out soon. So Nemo's got a pretty unique visual. Groove style, right? Four. It does. Um, so, <laughs> so real quick, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna run down the plot for Nimona real quick. So Nimona is the titular character, um, and she is a shapeshifter. Um, we're first introduced to another main character who is, um, becoming a knight of this, like, futuristic, like, it's like if you mashed medieval and future, Mm -hmm. futuristic together, this city, and it's actually a pretty cool visual style. Um, so it's castle punk, um, cyber castle. Um, so, so he's going to be, become a knight, um, in this city. And there's some political intrigue about that. I'm not going to go into but, um, you know, he's, he's worked really hard to get up to that. And then he's framed 
during his um, uh, knighting ceremony uh, for killing the queen. Like, somebody, like, replaced his sword with, like, a giant uh, laser the sword. dishonored situation. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so it looked like he killed the queen. Um, so he's now on the run, and he wants to clear his name. And then this weirdo fucking girl shows up and is like, hey, I'll be your sidekick. Um, because she just really wants to do crime and be gay. Um, so, uh, yep. So they, they go on all these adventures trying to clear his name, um, trying to, um, uncover the person who actually framed him. Um, and he's also trying to get his boyfriend back, um, because his boyfriend is like, how could you kill the queen? Like he was also there. So it really did look to him like he, you can't really blame him, but, um, so yeah. And then you, you discover that, um, Nimona is a shapeshifter and she, um, isn't really a girl primarily. She's everything. So it goes into a lot of, um, like it's, it's very trans non-binary coded. Like there's, there's definitely a lot of stuff back there. Um, and I don't think, so Nate, I don't think wrote this when they like knew really that they were not non-binary. Cause like I follow their, um, little newsletter thing where they were, make little comment uh comics about just thoughts and life and stuff like that and they constantly poke fun at themselves and they're like dude i wrote all this shit and i was like yeah i'm a girl <laughs> and then it's like you look back and you're like that was gay as hell that's um, interesting to have to write something so gay in that long ago and mm-hmm. then it just becomes relevant or more mainstream and then you can release it yeah that's cool. yeah i mean so it it's just such a fun movie and it deals so much with like something that I, I can relate to, which is like not being one thing or the other or, you know, not fitting in because of that or, you know, stuff like that. Um, and it's a fun setting and the visual style is really cool. Um, it's like a lineless, but it's also like it's it looks very cell shaded. It's kind of cell shaded look looking kind of stuff. Um it's got I a really mean, unique no, visual I, style to it. Uh, I also um, get the character from Pokemon. Uh, hold on. Nimona is Movie. a Nem or N O N. Oh. oh. <laughs> yeah, I spelled it wrong. That's why. Uh, oh, okay. it, it actually doesn't look that much like I, the comic. I know what she looks like already. Yep. Yep. She can turn into anything. I read the graphical novel of this, which mm-hmm. was it was different. From the, what the movie is, which is fine. Yeah, yeah. And um, Nate was was part of the rewrite, um, too. Oh, yeah. Like, like he was consulted. Um, but yeah, it was just such a fun movie. Um, I think my main complaint about it is mostly the music. And I was talking to Bink about this, too, and she feels the same. Like, they didn't have their own score. It's, like, kind of very generic-y, oh, punky yeah. music. It felt like library music that they yeah, probably owned that, at Netflix. It's TikTok stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's that, or it's like needle drops of like very punky songs. <laughs> <laughs> Watch me get framed for killing the queen. Um, Oops. I get, that one, I get that one all the time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's like my main complaint about it. And the, pr- the total production value... I feel like 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 I love the color design in this one, but altogether the production value, I'm not sure it matches up to some of the other nominees for best animated picture. It's, yeah, that's but hard competition. Is, yeah, it's it's a real tough competition this year, except for Elemental. Um, <laughs> and you know, I haven't seen Robot Dreams, but I'm sure it's good. Um, 
But yeah, I I really love this movie. Um, I think it deserves to be in nominees. I don't think it's gonna win, but I think it really deserves to be where it is and, and lift up, you know, like queer creators and stuff like that. Because I think this might be one of the first that I can remember. I haven't been paying attention to the Oscars for very long. I've only been paying attention to them since um, we started, started doing them on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I think this is maybe one of the first animated films by a queer creator that, that deals explicitly sort of with queerish topics um that's been on that list on the best animated list as like as it's not animated, something that you, you, you see right yeah it's but yeah did, did strange world get a nomination last year no all right the, wait that, really a disney like not even pixar but a no disney they movie, swept that shit under the rug yeah. so hard wow. i didn't even I know what saw, you're talking about we i went and saw it last year. <laughs> Extensively. The thing is, though, that that movie didn't really deal with... It didn't deal with gender. It didn't really deal with him being gay. He just happened to be. And it was really more mm, um, generational true. trauma and, you know, like... It's also, like you said, released by Disney, who is not a queer creator. <laughs> no, it's it's a conglomerate. Um, but, yeah, Strange World, they swept on the rug so hard. I, I It's it was a, really sad. It's a bizarre category. Uh, usually, it's like... What did Pixar do? Yeah, what did Disney do? Maybe so... you get Illumination or yeah. something like that. The Shrek. <laughs> yeah. I do, do want to do a, a tight five on Wish um, towards the end of Ooh. my stuff. Just, right. just to complain a little bit, but like I'll, <laughs> no, I'll yeah. do that later. We can, uh, we can definitely raz some of, some of the things that came out this year a little yeah. bit. And Pans. Yeah. All right. Uh, you good yeah, Alex, what, yeah, what, you go. what's All something right. you saw last year? Not a Best um, Picture nominee. I, they cloned this guy named Tyrone? Whoa! Oh. Another, another <laughs> streaming film. Yeah, I, I missed this when it came out, definitely. I watched this like a month or two ago. Um, and uh, it was something I had like heard of once on like the little one of the little uh, chat rooms I'm in. And I'm like, oh, like that sounds good. Uh, we're passing beers. New moon or blue moon. I need an orange. Do you have any um, oranges? Can I you think turn it comes some with orange. I think it's in there. Do you think? Sorry, can you turn some lemon into no, orange really quick for me? <laughs> this is going to be a ten-hour edit. <laughs> uh, so basically, th- this movie is about a. Um, it's a like, kind of a high-concept sci-fi premise uh, where uh, the government is uh, cloning people in this hood and making sure that everybody like Truman Show ask plays their roles. Uh, it's very interesting. Uh, the opening of the movie has our main character uh, die and then be replaced by a clone, and then but you really don't, you kind of don't figure that out for a little while, and then it just goes full fucking bonkers sci-fi. Uh, it's it's pretty cool. It's interesting. Um, I got some sorry to bother you vibes. I don't think it's as good as that movie mm-hmm. is, but uh, it definitely was like one of those things that I'm like, oh, this is weird and it's hilarious. Hard not to compare it to that. I mean, yeah. Just the high concept sci-fi. Yeah, I he actually uh, the director of Sorry to Bother You, Boots Riley, actually did put out something new this year, but it's a show, not a movie. Yeah, something he's been working on. For I'm a long super time. interested think, in that one too. Too. I don't know what Boots Riley looks like, so I think about Boots the monkey I from Dora. That's a little racist. <laughs> that that is, his name is literally Boots, but I. Yeah, you I can know. joke. Okay. Um, uh, but yeah, this was this was a, actually like super funny. I was I was like really endeared with this and laughing at it even before like the 
a like concept kicked in even before it turned into I a saw, weird movie about I saw some yeah. clips of it that really made me laugh the the bit where they were requesting access to the quote freaky government machine was <laughs> yeah. really good and there's a there was like a decent amount of like referential humor but it didn't feel super like super forced super like written uh, in a way that was good yes i will you got john Boyega and um Tayona Paris is the name of the, the female lead. She's incredibly funny. She, and Jamie yes, Foxx. And Jamie Foxx. They are just great together. That's it's the most like, like trio. I talked about loving the, mm-hmm. the group on the, the Godzilla Minus One mm-hmm. ship. These guys are such like a, three characters with such specific characters. I didn't they, know that you had seen this one, Cam. Oh, yeah. We, we watched it... Um, on just on streaming at some point. The uh, right after Alex. The Wyatt. running yeah. bit about them doing like Nancy Drew shit is so funny. <laughs> yeah, like saying Nancy Drew, Scooby Doo. Yeah. And they're also one of my favorite things. Um, is like really really basic color theory and mm-hmm. like John Boyega is always wearing green. Um, Tayona is always wearing I think yellow or red and then she has uh, some insane outfits in yeah this movie. like they're just so specifically like this is my color and the style is so good it, it, i just really love it. oh yeah yeah here, here this is a great example they're all stanced up they all have such a specific perfect. look yeah red green yellow perfect. jamie fox is in this yeah it's yes. great and he kills it He's a yeah, he's pimp. A pimp. Very yeah. funny. He can just do whatever he wants now, huh? I yeah. mean, like he's so famous and he's got such good yeah. shit. But yeah, yeah this this was like kind of the like sleeper hit of the year for me. It was so funny. It was just really out there in a way that I loved. It was it was great. I really liked. Um, sorry to bother you. So I I feel like I should watch that. that yeah, it, really it's I, I don't want to make the draw the comparison too heavily because they are different movies. Well, but I, it, I'm just saying because yeah, director. no, it, it, it definitely gave me some of those vibes. It might be a little reductive to say, but uh, it, it was good. It's a very easy watch. Like it's kind of, you know, shorter movie, simple, simple in quotes premise. Great, <laughs> great actor. Easy to track. Yeah, it goes places. Like, like this is really a fun. <laughs> good. Yeah, definitely. Big hit. So, Cam. Can you give me a movie now Best Picture Yes, I can. After my, after some reconfiguring of the, my previous list, um, both of those movies, or Godzilla and They Clone Tyrone were on my short list, but May-December, I just watched. Yeah, I really want to hear about this. I didn't quite have enough time to watch it, but I wanted to get to it. I, I just loved it. Like There were a lot of movies this year that I thought I was really, really going to love, and then I saw them, and I didn't really like them as much as I thought. Like I kind of handicapped myself with, like, Expectations, like yeah. I set the bar. Yeah, with the hype. Not. Yeah. Um, just to uh, mention two of them, I'd say Blackberry and The Killer. I think were mm-hmm. slight disappointments to me because I I thought I was really gonna like them, but and I did like those movies, just not as much as I thought I was going to. But mm-hmm. May December, I liked as much as I thought I was going to like. Like last year, maybe more. I think twenty twenty three. Um, I got really into like the. Like erotic dramas, like oh, oh yeah, because of like, the real Cinema Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just like really got into those movies. And, and as we love... talked about last year with our, uh, you must remember this episode. We went really in yeah. depth on Cam's mm. obsession with this thing. And then Red Shoe Diaries. Also yes, yeah. Which I was very, I, I liked our episode on that a lot. Like we really dug into. And the... I will probably come back to this podcast just to do another one of those types of movies. I really sure. Want to do if you got one in the can, we got space in two weeks. Uh, well, I was going to say, I have one that's really good for the summer, and then I have one that's, 
I mean, I just really like. like We're in no hurry. I'm just, I'm just looking for an excuse to keep get you on the show more. Oh, I like, so, I like oh, to have oh, you on the show more. I'm only bringing this up because we just touched on the Red Shoe, Red Shoe Diaries. Yeah. But um, I, when we were brainstorming and coming up with uh, stuff for this uh, first segment, I uh, was flipping through my letterboxed diary. And one of my funniest, like, two weeks is the Red Shoe Diaries for our podcast. Mm-hmm. All four Death Wish movies and then Oppenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> that is... The end of July. Any decisions you made that week should be bad. They're not correct. Your brain was all over the place. We went to Oppenheimer together, so I want to see what he's yeah. doing that exact week. Yeah, but, uh, This well, is your brain. This is your brain on movies. Uh, Red Shoe Diaries that week. Yep. Um, I didn't watch all four Die Hards that week, but I did Death this Wish. year. Oh, Death Wish, yes. Uh, I did watch three Death Wish this year. But... Um, what is May December about? Yeah, so now I, I don't all actually the comparisons know. I mean, are kind of a little bit offensive because this is mostly based on true story. Yeah, there was some discourse I know. Yeah, vaguely. I, I was able to avoid all of the discourse, so forgive me if any of the. No, actually, you you really should ignore it. <laughs> but, you know, there's there's maybe some of those things are true, but like, doesn't matter. You this is a film, and you should engage with yeah. it as a as a film, and not. Well, Worry it's about... based on real things that happen, which you should engage as they're real things that happen. So I've anyway. been running into a serious problem this year with people thinking that movies are real. <laughs> that uh... was the Oppenheimer conundrum. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I regret to inform you that Oppenheimer also based on events. That what? Really but happened. the movie is not real. That's true. Um, unlike unlike was, last year's Tar, yeah. those movies aren't real. This course was far different and more enjoyable. I watched, I would, I'd like to say, in a confusing statement, I watched two more Tars. This <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. Dream scenario and, and Anatomy of a Fall. Oh, okay. Dream Anatomy of a Fall is a bit of a Tar. Yeah, I understand it's that. Tar universe. It's I a bit. Know. It's a bit of a Tar. Rate it. Rate it out of Tars. Yeah. <laughs> Tar Careful with that one. Uh, so, May yeah. December, based I wanna... on true events, as right. allegedly, definitely factually, but mm-hmm. I don't know about them. Um, so, is May December somebody's name, or is no, it it's, like it's based May on the 2 December? Or, okay. May December romance. Yes, as in oh, okay. someone very young and someone older. All right, I, did, I actually haven't heard that phrase before. So, really? Oh, wow. Um, uh, that's what makes it such a good title. But um, I don't talk about people having giant age gaps a whole lot. Oh. Mm. We're, we're scratching at the to. ice that is this the discourse of this movie <laughs> by, okay. by accident. Offline, I had to clean my car up this morning. Yeah, so I don't want to scratch any more ice. <laughs> All right, so May and December, based on a, a true thing that happened, I guess, where a uh, teacher had a romance with her student. The student was 13 or maybe 11, I think, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, very bad. You know, essentially rape. That's that's she, not a relationship. That's a right. Yeah. She goes to jail, gets out of jail, and they get married. And she divorces her family, had three kids, has three new kids. With Divorce this guy. my family. Yeah. Um, very uh, criminal, dicey stuff. <laughs> but you know, technically, you know, once she's out and he's evaded, blah blah blah. You know, whatever. The the juicy part of this movie is that uh, Natalie Portman comes to stay with them because they're making a movie about this true story that happened in the universe of the movie. Mm. Okay. Does that make any sense? Real yes. Natalie Portman, the real person in the movie. 
but Natalie Portman is playing an actress of a different name. Okay. Essentially, it's Natalie Portman. Okay. Of course, Thor's wife. <laughs> we all know her as. Um, no, I'm the, <laughs> the one with the silly hair from the prequel. Yes. I'm a doll. <laughs> so, I'm a doll. so it, she gets to do some really fun stuff as an actor, actress playing an actress. Like, she's playing a pretentious Hollywood actress. So that's really interesting. And then you have, um, shit, I forget her name. Can you, I know you just have I'm doing it. I'll get it on there. Do you mind looking up the, the secondary leads? All I know is she's apparently very good at crying. I'm not okay. great with actors and names, okay. but the, the, months the teacher is played by uh, Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore, who is incredible mm -hmm. and kind of plays like this diva woman who like has. She basically opens the movie by saying that she has no regrets and that she is completely authentic and doesn't hide anything from everyone, which is you know insane. But this movie just kind of balances the line of comedy and drama so well, where it's like funny, the performances are funny, but not like laugh out loud funny. I would I wish I saw this in a theater, because I want to know what other people laughed at. Sorry, hold on. <laughs> the, I just Googled the name May December, but the Google audience reviews are very funny. Oh, <laughs> And the why graph is overwhelmingly one. Why is that a thing, why is that a thing that you can do? Why is, why is Google culture? separate from like any platform where you can actually review movies? Like, <laughs> I don't use Letterboxd anymore. I use Google reviews yeah, for films. Anyway, totally useless autofill AI <laughs> program. Uh, but just it just walks the line so well. There are funny parts. There are really dramatic, sad parts about you know how like this kid is just emotionally yeah. destroyed. Like yeah. he's a thirteen year old forever, and like now has kids that are aging past <laughs> where he is mentally. So there's this really good scene where he's sitting on the roof, contemplating his whole life because this actor's coming into town to do a movie on them as kind of like throwing the whole thing back into yeah. the public. Makes him think about what he's... It makes him think about it from outside his own perspective. Yes, because in his head, it's always been like, I'm in love with this woman, and we are married now. And that's just it for him. But, like, he goes on the roof with his son, and they share a joint, and he just loses his mind. Like, he just opens up to him, like, is this all worth it? Have I ruined your life? Because now there's another generation yeah, of kids that, yeah. like, now have to deal with this, and blah, blah, blah. That's like, rough stuff. The wow. actor's coming to the school, and, like, the kids are getting bullied and stuff, and, like, you get to see all this, like, generational, like, she's fucking up the old kids and the old, the new kids, and it's just really, really good, and the soundtrack is, like, one of these erotic thrillers, where it's, like, heavy piano, soap opera, drama, like, the whole movie is pretty serious, and then it, they, like, the actress arrives on scene. They're having like a barbecue, and Julianne Moore opens the fridge, and the score kicks in. It's really intense. She goes, "I don't think we have enough hot dogs." Hard <laughs> <laughs> like, cuts to the grill with like forty hot dogs on it, like That's an insane good. amount. It's just, it was really charming and good and depressing. Yeah, and you would scare that <laughs> right for something that could be funny, but that, yeah, you would think they would happened. have to. Approach it very delicately. They, I think they that, don't. <laughs> I think this is something that's going to come up in the second segment for sure, but I think that taking uh, stressful or um, or like intense or, or harrowing situations at their face can be very funny. Like in like 
we are an outside observer. Because these things are not happening to us, we can recognize the comedy and things. Yeah. That, and yeah, plus time, like, oh, yeah, all exactly. this story is kind of set, I think, in 2015 or something, and, like, the, the scandal happened way earlier than that, so you yeah. get to see two different time periods. And just Natalie Portman is incredible in it, and all three leads are absolutely incredible. The, mm -hmm. the guy should have gotten a, a supporting actor nomination, although he's one of the three leads, so he's like really up there. But he was on Riverdale, too. And so it's so oh, awesome. Wait, who was he? From Alex Clifford. Uh, I got it. Uh, yeah, scroll past the bad reviews. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> there's there's a lot of bad reviews to scroll past. <laughs> Charles Melton? Charles Melton. I have so no good. idea who that is. is I don't know who he is in Riverdale. He's sorry. so awesome. He's so funny. Is he Jughead? Okay. No. His Jughead was one of the, the oh, brothers who lived in that hotel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I'm mistaking so, the real event. So, yeah, really good. I'm not going to talk about the other movies I liked as much as I talked about that one. Well, I mean, I'm happy that you talked about it, though, because it's something I didn't get to I didn't make time to see, and I, I do want to check it you out. You should check it out. The, the reason he's so good for this movie is be, being on Riverdale is basically a soap opera, so taking a soap opera act, actor. Yeah, now you're this. doing... He plays Reggie Mantle in wow. the CW series. And now you're so Riverdale. dramatic. It's such a dramatic <laughs> turn to take. Um, yes, really okay, well, I guess melodramatic is a better thing to say. So, Cam... Melodramatic. Melting dramatic. Uh... <laughs> Is <laughs> Asteroid City on your list? No, I, okay. I liked it too. Too confusing. You got to talk. About I, it all right, good. Now. It's for me. It's for me then. It's just for you. When someone says a movie is too confusing, I start salivating. I love that shit. <laughs> I'm like, oh boy, I can't wait to dig into it. It's pretty straightforward. The it, alien steals the asteroid. Exactly. I What's know, the word? That's the freaky little alien guy from heaven. <laughs> yeah. All right. I, I have also seen this, so I'm going to chime in on this one. So, uh, this is Wes Anderson's most recent picture, and I would like to say that... Wes is short for Western, right? Uh, I believe so. Because the movie is set in... Okay. Yes. The yes. desert? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it is right. okay. um, I would like to say up front that I think this is my favorite film of his now. What? Yeah. Yeah. I, I like it a lot. It, it's, it's, little, it's, it's still no really good. Brand if it, I'm not saying any of I'm trying to pull another bad. one. It doesn't make me think the other ones suck, but I also still haven't seen a lot of his. Yeah. I still haven't seen this is my French Dispatch or uh, Life Aquatic or Darjeeling Limited or anything like that. I'm a huge fan of French Dispatch. What about the one with it's Owen also very, Wilson. Like, high school. <laughs> yeah. Very much high school journalism. You would really like it. I'm, I'm going to like that. Uh, I'm going to get to it, but. Uh, Asteroid City combines a lot of things that I really enjoy. I love nested narratives of like, oh, hey, we're telling a story about this movie that we're making, but this movie that we're making is also about the things that we're experiencing in real life and stuff like that. I cannot get enough of shit like that. It's, it's, a, it's a great uh, time. Did you end up watching American Fiction? I watched half of American Fiction. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I wish I, I had time. We're gonna I wish the, I had time. Yeah, we're going to do a lot of weighing in on half yeah. of movies. I only saw the play parts of... Uh... Of Asteroid City? Yeah. That'd be a funny way to do it. So, um, Asteroid City is nominally, like, if you look at the summary on Wikipedia or Letterboxd or whatever, it's about uh, a dad taking his kids to a one-week summit out in the middle of fucking nowhere in the Nevada desert mm -hmm. because... Uh, one of his kids is a brain genius who is there for a science competition. The junior stargazer. That's right. Invention. Right. The brain geniuses. So um, he has to take all of his kids there, but he hasn't told his kids yet that their mom died in the hospital. 
And so he is dealing with like that. Three weeks ago, two yes, weeks ago, yes, yeah, something it's, like that. It, the, it's a punchline. It's like it was a lie. It was yeah, long. It's too, too long for me not to have told you this already. <laughs> and that is like, if you read, you know, the summary on on whatever uh, website of your choosing, it's basically, it, yeah, uh, that is what they're telling you about. But when the movie opens, it doesn't start there. The movie opens by saying. Asteroid City is a play that was put on for one week by these players, and it was written by this playwright. And here's the story of this playwright, and it shows you this alcoholic, uh, alcoholic bisexual whose life is clearly in a state of complete disarray, uh, <laughs> abusing uh, actors into being in his play. And then it's like, uh, now here is the production of Asteroid City, and then the movie, the color in the movie kicks in, and it finally goes into widescreen because before it was in four three when they're talking about. Uh, when they're talking about this play, Asteroid City. They, yeah. yeah, they really play with the box for this one. It's, I it's, it's love all that. <laughs> hey, yo. We'll be getting into box playing in the second segment when we talk box about poor play. things. Box play. That's my kink. Uh, so, um, this this movie, like, at first, I also would like to say that Brian Cranston is the announcer oh, yeah. uh, who does brings it in, does an incredible job. He is a great like official and it's something that he doesn't get to usually play. He is uh his two most famous roles were dads and I feel like he's going to do that forever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh but he's he he's a good old-timey guy. Yes, he's an ex, he does an excellent job at that. Um and there is no part one of the things that I really like about this movie is that there's no part of the presentation that doesn't get played with in some way. The aspect ratio gets played with, color gets played with, the sound gets played with whether or not certain actors are supposed to be there during different scenes gets played with like the towards the end of the movie the production starts breaking down completely people who are supposed to be in the play part are in the movie part the documentary part of the radio part and like yeah. uh people who are supposed to be the writer of the fake play are showing up inside the play and at one point brian cranston starts narrating and then one of the characters in the play can see him and he goes i'm not supposed to be in this part am i and then he walks off <laughs> And that's not like that's not just like a fun little fourth wall joke. It is also <laughs> saying that this stuff is totally not real in a way. It's like it's really like shoving in your face like we're going to make all of the the walls here completely artificial. Everything is I, nested within yeah, itself. I'll give you credit for that. Just this like, is a, it tells you that like look, don't worry about what's going on. Yeah. Just, like, this is a fake movie. A, a movies in it calls attention to the artifice while being like three layers of artificial. Yes. It's yeah. bizarre. I like and that. One of my, There's a lot going on. And one of my favorite parts of that is when um one of the I'm trying to remember the name of the it must be Adrian Brody. Yeah, uh, yeah, Adrian Brody is there. Uh, but I, I'm, they go to an acting class that is hosted by Willem Dafoe, who is playing a yep. fake version of a real guy, who trying to help him discover the motivation for his character in the play, which is the movie that we've been watching the entire yeah, time. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> and how he does it is he has the people who are, you know, being played in this reenactment. He's like, go to sleep and you will, like, have, like, a fucking revelation when you wake up. You will, like, like... Say it, it's like doing automatic writing or something. Put yourself into a trance and you'll speak what you need to speak. Mm. And all these people are in a trance just telling him what he needs to play this part of this fictional character. And it just feels like this weird ritual is being done. Do you remember any of this? You're making a face. Nope. <laughs> it's bizarre. It, that, that part felt a little Lynchian to me. That, it felt really weird. <laughs> that could be why I like this movie so much. But um, I, the, I had fun with this too. I, I think I definitely connected more with the story than the framework around the story. But 
Uh, it's interesting. If it if there were no framework around the story, it would still be a really good Wes Anderson movie with all of the the hallmarks, the uh, the, the the dollhouse sets and the, yeah, the, the pastel colors stuff and the is weird and, the um, alien guy and the 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 deadpan <laughs> the deadpan comedic performances, including one of my favorites this year from Jeffrey Wright, who plays the general, which is yeah. really funny. Uh, um, one of the I don't well, this might be mean, but one of the only good Scarlett Johansson performances. No, I would I would agree. With <laughs> <that>. <laughs> she's she, very good in that role. That's yeah. She's playing a depressed actress, and there's a great scene where you stumble upon her, and it looks like she's slit her wrist in the bathtub, and she's like, I'm practicing for my scene where I split, slit my wrist <laughs> in the bathtub. She's at that point in the movie where you think she might have slit her wrist. Yeah. yeah. So she's got like a, a, a bottle of pills spilled over in the bathroom. It's like, does this look good? Yeah, does it look convincing? Yeah. Is this believable? The entire audience. <laughs> Those back and forths were so interesting between yeah. uh, her and Schwartzman, like yeah. in yeah. opposite. Uh, windows. Rooms. Yeah. Looking they're like their windows of their little like temporary homes. Yeah, like the motel room facing and the other motel I'm, room. I'm making myself giggle just thinking about it, but the, the scene that starts to break down reality is uh, a scene where Schwartzman puts his hand on the, the griddle that he's oh, using yeah. to make himself yeah. a sandwich. Why does why does he burn his hand on the quickie grill? It makes he it like zooms back out three layers for the actor to go. Why does he do this? And he goes yeah. to talk to the writer. He's like, Why does Why does he do this? And the writer's like, I guess he's just overcome with emotion. He's like, You guess? You wrote it. Like, what, what do you mean? So that's where he has to like go to the acting class. But it's a it's an incredible like yeah. Talking about it has been great because I am remembering a lot of stuff. This this movie was bewildering to me when I watched I it. Truly, I would love to watch this movie. I think I'm going to watch this. Movie it is great. Now. It's great to look at. And even yeah, just it a face like value read, it's like, oh, this is certainly something. Wow. <laughs> I think around halfway through, I was like, wait, am I supposed to know what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> um, good Tom Hanks performance. Oh, uh, very understated Tom performance. Yeah, as oh, one of his most. I mean, every movie he makes is. Why does my dad like me or whatever? Yeah, like this is a big, big one. For mm-hmm. My my father-in-law is upset with me for the way I'm treating his grandkids, but then of course when he gets there and he tries to be their grandparent and they're like, "We want to be witches and we want to we want to bury the excellent yeah. kid yeah. performances." Yeah, movie. the kids are so funny and cute, mm-hmm. incredible. And uh, this is the five-second spoiler alert. There is in fact. An alien in this movie, <laughs> yeah. and it, they, I. He takes a meteor. When they talk about like, oh, this me, this tiny meteor landed for space, and that's why it's called Asteroid City, and they, you know, once every however many years, there's a phenomenon in the sky where the sky turns green, so you have to wear these special glasses because there's radiation. You look up at the sky, and that's why they're doing the Junior Stargazers thing. Yeah. And then for there to actually be a stop motion alien that comes down <laughs> and he does stop not, motion. That's very good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he, let's, if you Seb, you should just watch that scene when you have a chance because yeah. it doesn't ruin the movie, but it's it's so fun to watch. It's bizarre. And then this leads to the plot of the rest of the the inner narrative of the film, which on its own would be good. If they didn't have any of the other stuff, it would still be a good film that I like all the stuff of. Yeah. It is <laughs> total bullshit that the Academy did not recognize Dear Alien Who Art in Heaven as <laughs> for best original song. Because that was one of my favorite moments from any movie this year is when uh, this exasperated elementary school teacher on a field trip is trying to teach these fucking kids, but all they want to talk about is the stop motion alien they all <laughs> saw. They're so excited and like 
jittery. Yeah. <laughs> so incredibly funny. The the, yeah. the inner narrative like after the alien thing is so fun because it's like everyone coping with having just seen an alien. Yeah. The, the government not knowing what to do uh-huh. is is was all so funny. And that dovetails with the outer narrative because these people have all had their worldviews completely shattered. They So, you know, there's like the, the ones who are religious are like, well, now what does that mean about God? And then someone's like, oh, well, who cares? I mean, like, there's nothing that says that God didn't make aliens. And then they, they, those two people like get into a fight. <laughs> and, and then uh, the kids take it all really well because they're they have no worldview to be shattered. They're fine. They can just take all this shit yeah. as it's coming. Yeah, aliens yeah. just exist so now. <laughs> then, uh, but their parents are all horrified, as you see on a really great CRT monitor uh, a little later on. <laughs> yeah, they have to like call their parents and say, all right, listen, we can't send your kid back because we just learned that aliens are real. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. sorry. <laughs> this is the last and then, uh, and then Jeffrey Wright gets a, a fax from the president. It's like, that's the president. He's furious. <laughs> <laughs> great movie. Uh, yeah, I had a really great time with yeah. this movie. I think it's super good. And I'm going to be thinking about it for a long time. I was shocked that it is nowhere in the uh, Oscars. It's on this, this letterboxed list of 25 huh. great films with zero Oscar nominations in 2024. Yeah. Ooh. 25 great snubs. Yeah. <laughs> Seth, give me, your, give me your next animated picture. My next animated picture is... is... Uh, Spider-Verse 2. Across the Spider-Verse? Across the Mm Spider-Verse. So I had really anticipated this one coming out because the first one, like, it really shattered the medium of animation. Um, Mm. something novel, which is having an interesting art style. Having an interesting art style and actually doing a good Spider-Man movie. Mm -hmm. Um, The good story. And Miles Morales. (laughs) Writing a good Spider-Man story is not rocket science, but the way these comics have been, you would think it is. Mm. (laughs) I read a lot of 60s and 70s Spider-Man this year. uh, This is the first one of these that we've all seen? I think it might be, right? Yeah, I think so. So Um, And... I was astonished with how quickly the formula got down and how good it still is today. Of like, and this is stuff that they all use in the first mm-hmm. uh, Spider Verse movie and in this one. Uh, of like, Spider Man has a problem, whether it's Miles or Peter, wh- that he has a Spider Man problem, like I don't know, the rhinos on the loose, and he has a Peter Parker problem, which is that Aunt May needs medicine but doesn't have a real job, and it's like those two problems are both affecting him at the same time, and. At the same time, Harry Osborne's like, hey, cool cat, you want to go to the sock hop with me? He's like, I can't, I'm too stressed out. I got too many things to do. Go to the sock hop? These five hot ladies want to bang you. I don't have time. I simply do not have time. And then, uh, because he acts like that, the people who are close to him in his life go, there's something wrong with that guy. (laughs) He's a fucking asshole. Why does he act like that? He sucks so much. So, and then Miles has the same kind of dynamic Mm -hmm. going on, except with all, all the 60s shit I was just saying. And yeah. they do a good job of that in this movie right from the beginning when he gets grounded, right? Yeah, so he gets grounded, but then he still needs to save the world. Yeah. But he, he's, and then he's, like, got, um, like, he's trying to get into a new school or, or college. Mm-hmm. Like, they're trying to start him really early. Um, and, like, he's got a whole bunch of crap going on at the same time. Um, and then the, um, the multiverse starts falling apart because mm-hmm. they, like, destroyed the freaking Large Hadron Collider or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, from the first movie, yeah, and it the didn't. End, the, the climax fix of the end of the first movie is they is they break it. <laughs> yeah, they they break it, they destroy it, and they think that fixes things. But what it actually did is start ruining other multiverses yeah. um, by like, uh, kind of letting them 
cross over into each other. It's like a um, it's like a uh, deviate from the script kind of movie where they send the time cops yeah. back in time. I don't like yeah, that it's it's a, it's a it's Jean Claude Van Damme's time cop. Go watch yeah. that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um. but um, so I I I know Nick has some criticisms of the movie and I understand them completely. But this one I liked even better than the first one because they went so much harder on the art style. Like they went really hard in the first one, but this this one, every single universe that they go into has its own different art style and they have different Spider-Man animated different uh, styles. So Spider-Punk is made up of like um, collage, like um, newspaper clippings and stuff like that constantly. Cool. And it's great. And then when whenever you go to Gwen's universe, like the the watercolors, the colors just melt through, and it's so dramatic and, and emotional. And the, the way the yeah, are like done, it's just so. I can envision those scenes with her and her cop dad like instantly. Yeah, I can. I look at those frames, and I I see a panel from a comic, and I see mm. a, or a splash from a comic, and it's so amazing and good. And I also like. I loved how they took a really goofy villain like the spot and made him yeah Yeah. (laughs) they made him really menacing actually um this this multiverse stuff he fits right in yeah and he's goofy in the movie too but then he just becomes really scary actually um one of the top letterbox reviews is a quote from this film my holes can take me anywhere yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's good (laughs) i think that is from four things actually (laughs) Um, but yeah, so you have all these, these Spider-Men coming together to save the multiverse and, um, prevent more Spider-Men mm-hmm. in this one. Yeah. There's, the there's a lot of Spider-Women. Well, I just mean the character Spider-Man. Oh I yeah. Guess. Um, <laughs> they're, they're very inclusive with their spider people. Because in the first one you got like a group of six or something and this one's a group of four. Yeah. They're focusing on less of them, but. But there's a lot yeah. more of them in general. I like the ones they picked. You got the yeah. Ollie Spider-Man mm-hmm. they did. Yeah, like, yeah. He's got big hair. Mm-hmm. Big hair, always correct. Never has anything wrong. The yeah, hair, he's Indian. The hair he's really sticking good. out of the of that costume. I normally don't like the hair sticking out of a costume, yeah. but that works. I think the the Spider Man Two PS Five video game. I do not like that one. Whoa! <laughs> <it's laughs> and yeah. here's Miles' new suit, and it sucks, dog. Oh, <laughs> yeah. like it stops at the peak of his oh uh, boy hairline. His hair comes out, which mm-hmm. is like. Yes, you know, like, black Americans' hairstyle is very important and, like, that. But also, you're supposed to have a secret identity. It also just doesn't look good. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, if it's all about style, then I really wish you made it look better. That's... that's <laughs> which is always it. It's like, which, when you try to design something cool, you fail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which this movie does not have a problem with. Yeah. All the costume designs... Although, Everything looks really good. Uh... There is a somebody said it looked about Miles's new costume in this movie that he looks mm-hmm. like he's bleeding from his armpits, which I thought was really funny. Yeah, there but, was a comment in like uh, oh, it's um Peter B. Parker makes yeah. makes that comment uh, about yeah. it. Yeah, um, because it like Miles designed it himself. I wonder if that's a design note that they were get they were giving themselves inside the movie. Oh, like, yeah. why did what, it like, might have been? I'm looking at this for 600 hours because I'm animating this. I hate Miles's outfit. It looks like he's bleeding from his armpits. Can Peter say that? Like, yeah. I know we all have way too many thoughts on this, but like also this movie does. Drops like a lot of successful parts of the first movie and just mm. moves on to do stuff. Like you yes. don't have Nicolas Cage Spider Noir. You mm-hmm. don't have John Mulaney Spider Ham. Yep. No Kingpin. He, you don't have Kingpin. Um, they they have show him. up in in the Spider Spider Person like 
place. Like Spider-Ham, I specifically remember showing up. It, like, what, like two lines he has like one yeah, line and, and he's like... And there's the tease at the end that they're going to be back for the next one. Yeah. It's not doubling down on you're right. things that are good about Yeah, them. You're right, you're right. Especially like Peter B. Parker. He's Barely absent. Did. He's absent for the first like hour and 30 minutes of this film. I really like yeah. that they kind of took him out of it. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of I think really that. The, I, I, I like, I agree with what you're saying, Cam. I like that. I think that definitely is a product of this being part one of a part two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Because so, if this had just been the last one of these they made, I think they might have tossed some more of that stuff in. Yeah. Totally, yeah. This, this movie definitely, um, I don't think it bit off more than it could chew because they I had a... Pl- no, no, no. <laughs> see, see, my thing is they knew what they wanted to do with it, but it they didn't... Like, I didn't expect it to have a cliffhanger ending. I think... Yeah. Like, I, I think don't think anybody I would never knew. ask for a movie to have a subtitle, but Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1? <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's weird because it's it's kind of a sequel. It's this is part yes, two. it is. Part <sighs> yeah, but part part one was very self-contained. Like it didn't need a part two, no. and then they made it. And I really really like it. And I love um, Miguel. Like I love his whole yes. thing. And I, I was like so debating with Bink. I was like. Oh, Cyber he's actually, spider? he's Spider-Man. a prowler. Yeah. That one is a prowler. And she's like, no, I don't think so. I'm like, he's a prowler. Shut up. Um, so and You I, and I were talking about this right after we yeah, walked out of the you theater. said a yeah. second one. Yeah. Um, I I think that this, like, my biggest hang up was that it, with this movie is that it feels like the last 30 minutes of this movie were cut out and now is going to be an hour and a half or two hour movie in six months or a year or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I think it will be fine when you can watch both of these movies whenever you want, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a thing that will happen for the rest of time. (laughs) Uh, But as of this moment right now, the year 2024, I think it was a minor bummer the way that they did this. It was frustrating because I was watching through the movie and the closer they got to the ending, the more I was like, there's no way they're going to resolve all of these threads at yeah. once. Um, it's but, a long movie. It's ramping up <laughs> when you know it's supposed to be ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, like, what a cliffhanger, honestly. Yeah, including uh, the very cool last act. Yeah. yeah. Um, but to end, end this, um, the score, impeccable. Oh, great. Really great. Amazing soundtrack. score. And the first one had a really amazing score. This one, I, I love it even more. Yeah. because multiple things that just the big one is the, yeah, the like, Miguel Ohara, the, uh, the, the like fucking... Wah, 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 and like inventing the term canon event. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I see people yeah. talking about. But that's actually the kind of thing that I had kind I like of the that. biggest problem with of the movies that... like yeah, The do, time cop stuff? Yeah, the time cop stuff. I and like I think well, it's, it's kind so, of a... It feels like a, like a down-the-middle inclusion it, for a children's film to be like, you have to do it this but, way and so, have the no, message no, no, of the movie be, you don't have to do it that way. Exactly. So, yeah, what I... What's I think going on here it, is probably like canon events seem like they're supposed to happen, but you don't have yeah, to settle I, I, for I that. I definitely have seen that Miguel's before. the bad guy. It's, so. it's the dad yeah. who wants his kid to play basketball on the Disney Channel movie. He doesn't want to play basketball. <laughs> yeah, he wants but to be I, a high school musical guy. All right, I, I also like it. <laughs> sorry, I want to say one more thing. I, I like the Time Cop stuff in this specifically because... A lot of, like, it's it's true in a lot of the comics, they have very similar events going oh, on yeah. in each yeah. thing. So I like so. that they took that and put it into this framework. Because so many times, like, a multiverse story will just be like, 
oh, we're all these guys from different, we're just like, I'm you, but I'm a girl, and I'm you, I'm but really, I'm an alligator. And, I'm really tempted yeah. to have us do Ultimate Comics Spider-Man, like the one they just did. Wow. But there's not enough of it there. There's only two issues out of it now. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that would make for kind of a shitty episode. Less comics? Sign me up. All right. No. Anyway, um, uh, Alex, time. Well, hold on, hold on. I would like to say Fuck. one more thing about okay, Spider-Man. All right, all right, all right. All right. All right. Go, go, go. I'm all not right, ready. Right. Stop. It, dri- it drives me crazy a little bit. My other major criticism about this movie, outside of the Time Cop stuff, which I'm going to leave alone, is um, that go watch it time almost Cop. feels like Good narratively movie. they're making, they're getting a Tetris by using all line pieces, which is like it's yeah, you can do it, but it's not that impressive. Because oh, uh, let him cook. Let the him hero, cook. right? Your hero. <laughs> Spider-Man, Miles uh, Morales in this case. Yeah. Your love interest, Spider-Man, Gwen Stacy. Lines. Yeah. Your 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 villain, Miguel O'Hara, Spider-Man. He's a who, who are all the supporting characters? They're all Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. As Spider Spider-Punk is Spider-Man. Like they're they have there are characters in this film who are not Spider-Man. You have who would you, the L blocks be in this situation? <laughs> well, let, let me. Uh... Let me raise the question of what about Madam Web? There's quite a few Spider-Man women in that movie. Wow. I actually Man. don't think there are. <laughs> I don't They're think all that's... Spider-Woman. Is that... Have you seen the latest trailer? I have not seen the Madam latest Web. trailer. Uh, after the one that told me to, to come in five seconds, I didn't watch it anymore. <laughs> Does everyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I do. Don't explain it. It's a two-hour podcast. So, uh, yes, it, it felt a little like... This is something that can get under my skin in a lot of multiverse media stuff. Which, again, the reason I still like the movie so much, and I would still rate it so highly, I don't think mm. this is bad at all. Uh, I think that the the artistry that goes into this, the visual style, the the effort that goes into creating a different location. There are only like four locations in this movie, but they all look incredible. Uh, they, you know, in a multiverse movie, you could go anywhere, but every time they do go somewhere, it is a different color palette. Mm-hmm. The buildings look different. The streets look different. The fucking stop signs look different. And they made, they put the effort in to do all of that. Uh, and it looks gorgeous. But anyway, uh, whenever you're introduced to a new thread of the narrative, like uh-huh. love, yeah, love interest, uh, villain, uh, or, or supporting cast, they're all fucking Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And they ma- it makes it feel... Sure, they all have their differences, but they're not different enough they have such similar backgrounds which is a point that they make in the movie mm-hmm. about the canon event and all that stuff and this powerful sense of justice that all of them have where i almost feel like i'm watching somebody's internal struggle as opposed to there being a bunch of characters on screen it's like this just feels like a bunch of aspects of one guy which i guess it is now that i say it out loud wow uh, it's yeah, uh, it, it is but like i i i think i disagree because they do have different motivations and they do have different like sort of backward like so the Miguel we see in the movie mm-hmm. you know what never mind we're not going to litigate this uh, right. Right. Alex go all right and that is my criticism and we'll move on from I that my shorter thing do it this has a better grounded Spider-Man story than the last three live action Spider-Man movies. oh absolutely <laughs> one million percent I like my Spider-Man to be just in New York doing New York things solving his own personal crimes it's not rocket science life. not being well, the night monkey sometimes I don't like when he goes to space I don't like when he goes to multiple dimensions he does a lot of that in this movie but they go back to the grounded story so often and it's it works with it just being him I feel like and, and yeah I feel like and the first 30 to 45 minutes of this movie are pre any sort of multiverse, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The best <laughs> part of Far From Home is when he's doing Spider-Man things and he does the backflip on that, mm-hmm. that building. When the guy's You're like, talking about Homecoming. 
whatever. Whichever, Whichever one of those, those gray movies in my life. <laughs> but, um, I like, yeah, it's just it's better. Alex, can you give me another movie that's not in the Best Picture nominees? And we cannot escape the past. Ethan, this mission of yours is gonna cost you dearly. The world is changing. Truth is vanishing. War is coming. It's been a long time, friend. You've no idea the power I represent. It knows your story and how it ends. Listen to me. The world's coming after you. His fate is written. Shall we write yours, too? If anything happens to them, there's no place that I won't go to kill you. That is written. your objective what's your ultimate objective your life will always matter more to me than my own none of our lives can matter more than this mission i don't accept that Six foot seven. Don't we know you ain't our brother or friend of folk? Or father. Papa wants to skip on two dance and face with hat. Hitman Pictures. The killer. Oh. You mean Hitman the motion picture? No, that's actually coming out later. There's a movie called Hitman. So, this was a Netflix drop. We uh, just this year I watched through pretty much everything David Venger did, so this Thanks, was like Blankies. super timely. Yeah, the release of this, I was super excited for them them to cover this specifically on that podcast and just to watch it. It was a Netflix drop. I wish I had gotten the chance to see it in theaters. 
Um, I think especially specifically the soundtrack would have popped a lot more having not watched it on my like tiny TV in my bed. Um, but this movie basically it follows like a career hitman. In the opening, it's his one hit, but he blows it. <laughs> and the rest of the movie is him recovering from blowing it. Uh, and uh, the like sleek good part of this is that um, there's a ton of narration of him like doing his uh, Michael Fassbender doing his like internal monologue. Um, but a lot of it is like the perfect killer should do this. Never be attached to your thing. Always hit your target. And then you watch him miss his target. And it's always like, you. this is the way that I always live. And this is the perfect way I should do this. And then you see him not do it. <laughs> uh, it's like good. It is an incredible character building moment. Because not only is it does it contradict the last eight to ten minutes of what you were just watching, it we later find out that this is the first time that's ever happened. So yeah. he, he had all of his living by a code step had worked up to until right now. Yeah. It's interesting watching someone both that is so practiced and so professional have to improvise their way through a situation with like contingencies and contingencies. It's a like very measured calculated guy who's like uh, sociopathically proficient at doing these killings and stuff. But also, he blows it because he doesn't have a plan for any of this. Uh, it's super interesting. Uh, it's a really good juxtaposition behind, between like the hyper-competency backup plans on top of backup plans with just uh, sometimes the guy you, you want to kill has a dog and you got to figure that out. Um, <laughs> sometimes you fuck up the math of how much dog sedatives you have. It's super interesting. There's a lot of good, like, um, guy with the clipboard stuff. It is very Hitman in that way, where it's like you, uh, he's got it all calculated out. You, you know, he goes and rents a truck and parks it under the underpass. And, he, like, you, you're following along with him while he executes his plan. And you're like, ah, okay, he's doing that. And then something goes wrong. And then you're like, oh, boy. And so this movie is, like, is this the funniest movie Fincher's ever done? <laughs> like, the game is pretty funny. But uh, this is, like. This is definitely. Yeah. It's such like, yeah. a good commentary on, like, basic level commentary on, like, empty WeWork places, yeah. Uber Eats, and, like, ordering a fucking nail gun online to be delivered anonymously into an Amazon locker. Yeah. And then you mm-hmm. can just bring that into an office by wearing a janitor uniform and kill someone. Like, it was driving me psychotic. crazy. It's a reading. It's- Super. Some of the letterboxed reviews for this, and they were like, you know, this is just like a straight down the middle action movie with no themes. I'm like, this movie has like one huge theme that it is hammering into you <laughs> so like, like directly. It's like it is easy for someone to be an anonymous parasite in a world where everyone's alienated. And yeah, every don't person... even have to talk to someone who gives you your food. And yeah, exactly. You, you let them into your apartment. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe mm-hmm. there's something wrong with that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Even like. One to two days' time, any competent guy can get anywhere, pretty much. Mm-hmm. It's, like, such a short window. That you Everyone's so atomized, so alienated and isolated and just, like, living so, like, separate from the idea of a community, you right? Like call this movie One Day Shipping Nail Gun. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, yeah. that's what it is. Like, I'm mad at my job. I'm ordering a nail gun online. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's super interesting. Don't you just want to go apeshit? The like, <laughs> the structure, the plot structure of this movie is super simple. He he like blows it, 
and then he basically has to track down everyone. Uh, uh, he's trying to find the person who hired her for this job because they're trying because the company he works for is trying to kill him. Mm-hmm. So he's got to kill the assassins, and then he's got to figure out who planned the hit that he ruined. And then he basically just kills everyone up the chain until he gets to the guy who called the hit. And he's like, I don't know who you are. What the fuck? It's like the best, one of my favorite scenes in that movie. Because he's, yeah. he's like some crazy rich CEO. And he's like, you know, they just said that, yeah, I would just kill this guy. I paid him the money. I don't know yeah, who you are. For convenience. Like, yeah. I paid for you to kill this guy. And then I paid for them to kill you because it would be easier for Yeah, me. they said yeah. they'd take care of it. I just said, sure, take care of it. And then <laughs> in that scene... Uh, uh, Fassbender has the line where he's like, "I'm here in your apartment with a gun pointed at you. You don't have any questions for me. You don't. <laughs> you, you don't want to. You don't. You don't want to know who I am. Why I'm up here. You don't have a guess as to why yeah. I, why I'm here. And he has to like walk this guy through it because this guy has no like this guy has not been thinking about his downfall. It's so like you were saying, Alex, and like you were saying, Cam. This guy is so far removed." Because it's his fucking he, Uber Eats, his one-day shipping. He basically did one-day shipping, yeah. that guy dead. Yeah. You order your burger, and then you get it wrong, and then you get a pop-up that says, kill the guy. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I order something off of Amazon. I If it is one day late, I can say, I want all my money back, please. <laughs> <laughs> and that's basically what this is, except with shooting Ooh, a guy yeah, dead. Fires eight people. Yeah. What is this one called again? The, the Killer. killer. It's okay. Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. All right. Um, the uh, that's Tell pretty the much course. pretty much all my thoughts on this. I do like that he goes to Paris and buys McDonald's. Um, <laughs> probably my most memorable. Probably the scene I thought the most about. Uh, uh, also like, loved he, loved for the macro sake him taking the bread off. Yeah, just, just he just eats. The, he, he's like yeah, ten grams bread. of protein for two euro or whatever. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um. Great narration. Fastbender's really good in this, but the the scene that stealed it for stole it for me is Tilda Swinton's big scene. Oh, so um, good. So he's good. hunting down the like three people, uh, three other killers uh, to like kill his way up the ladder in this movie. And uh, there's one huge brutish guy who they have a big all out fight with. Uh, really great fight. One of the best fight scenes of the year. And there's stiff competition. And it's very like this movie is just so modern in every way. And even that guy, like the modern assassin, is this juiced up jock, like mm-hmm. multivitamin guy. Yeah, it, it really is like three <laughs> flavors of killer. Yeah. And one of the funny things about that <laughs> is that he tries stuff that would absolutely work on a normal person, but it doesn't. And he because he miscalculated because he's like, oh yeah, I'm used to killing. Like a, a politician or some guy in an yeah, office, this, like yeah, this guy of, is three hundred pounds of muscle. Yeah. <laughs> Dog is bigger than he thought. I mean, the secret to this movie is also that Michael Fassbender is a fuck up, even though he thinks he's perfect. Yeah, like, there's definitely some of that in there. Um, uh, before I get to Tilda Swinton's big scene, another thing I wanted to shout out real quick is that he specifically listens to the Smiths, and a lot of yeah. people are making jokes about yeah. this. <laughs> Typical <Norbert>. Smiths. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very funny, good stuff. Um, but the the Can't big scene. Nail gun yesterday. <laughs> yep. He's going to work with and it. And here it is. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, the the big Tilda Swinton scene is great though. He he uh, meets her at a restaurant and he pretty much after like trying to kill most of these people like sneakily, he just big times her and goes and sits down at the restaurant. Yeah, like, and they like have a really interesting conversation as she knows she's about to die. Uh, it's super cool and it's played super well. 
Um, you know, Lydia Tarr herself is wonderful. She's just trying to weasel her way out of it in the best it's way. It's not Lydia like, Tarr. What? Yeah, that's not her. <laughs> Kate Blanchett's Lydia Tarr. Oh, shit. Pale, tall wow. I really blew wow. that. You're, you're so racist Wait, against pale, so. tall women. <laughs> Damn. We're going to say some bad things about white people later. In the elemental Yes. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, super interesting. We're uh, about the, like... She's basically trying to get out of being killed and it's uh it, the scene speaks for itself it, it was really really effective uh, mm-hmm. yeah. excellent yeah, yeah. I, good I movie said I didn't like that movie and I've even said it on this podcast and Des said to me you didn't like that movie you talked about it for two months nonstop. yeah <laughs> it definitely like ha- having watched every Fincher leading up to this film it was like it's maybe like four or five for me he makes such good goddamn movies yeah. this is like a C-tier Fincher, but all of those are A-plus. I think this, this movie has things to say, unlike some of those letterbox reviewers Nick mentioned. <laughs> but um, it, it is kind of up the middle for him. It, it, I think it does have less going on than a lot of his previous work. But uh, I still really enjoyed it. I, uh, I had a mm. good time with it. Yeah, what's your what's your last one? No, wait, this isn't your last one. This is your second, second one. one. That's the second one. We, we gotta go around pretty quick and do two movies. Um, this is my horror roundup here: uh, Evil Dead Rise and When Evil Lurks. Two evil movies. All right. So, so When Evil Lurks is the one I don't know anything about. Can you tell me that one? Um, can you look up where it was from? But uh, <laughs> yes. other than that, it was a Shutter darling. That's like this year's like big Shutter recommend. Other than I guess Skin Rink was last year, and also not a Shutter movie, but. Um, when Evil Works, okay. which I thought was called Where Evil Works, is um, just like a really good movie of absolute despair. It just like is bad all the way through. Only bad things happen to people who are trying to do good things. Argentina. Argentinian horror. Very good. Spoken all in Spanish, if I understand correctly. Yep, but really simple themes, really easy to follow. Um, there's one point I know... Um, all three of you actually would like where they're building up to defeating the big bad the entire time and it all culminates in building a physical contraption that only one guy knows how to build and operate and then he dies. <laughs> oh, and it's like so man. Resident Evil, like it's it's literally like a golden telescope they need to yeah. build. And then the guy dies and he's just like, I don't even know what any of this was or how it was supposed to win or anything. I'm building the car only I can drive. Yes. <laughs> oh, fuck. Like, I don't even know if he built this, if it would even work. Was supposed to do, and it's never explained to you. That rules. It's it's just like this guy's like, I know what we need to do, and the guy had a degree in operating the gizmo. Yes, the gizmo failed. It's like, well, we're fucked again, and there's like just constant families killing each other, like inside the family. There's one, what the poster is is the open, the cold open where. Basically, you get infected with this evil, and I watched this a while ago, so forgive me in the flash, but I'm um, sure. And then you kill yourself, basically, and others. And the whole open is someone taking an axe and holding it the opposite way and just swinging it over and over again. It's just yeah, really yeah. well, like, really gruesome and just well done, and the, the two leads are really good. Just a, a good movie if you want to watch something horrible and depressing. Sounds um, like a good time. And the Evil Dead Rise? Evil Dead Rise, um, the opposite end of the horror spectrum, wow. where we, Des and I wanted to go see a movie, I think it was her birthday, and we're, I was like, you pick, and we brought her roommate, and she picked Evil Dead Rise, because we had watched 
the other three or two Evil Dead movies, mm -hmm. two and three. Um, together and she did not know that Evil Dead has swung much more into the horror aspect in their modern movies. George always recommends the newer Evil Dead. The 2013 one. As yeah. first Evil Dead or is that the show? No, that's, that's the show. show. Okay. That one's goofy. This one, These are now more in the kind of Exorcist. Okay. What was the one that came out this year? Uh, the Exorcist colon Believer. Yeah, I'm sure you won't be mentioning that no. one. No. It's much more <laughs> in that kind of style where it's like yeah. there are some references to the old movies but it's scary now. Good. They're definitely, there's so much high school kid date movies. Like, you mm -hmm. bring your sweetheart to mm -hmm. them, and, and it's scary. She might grab your arm because she's scared. She must grab oh. Yeah. Oh! Um, this movie features... So did she grab your arm? Or? Yes. Okay. We were all, all three of us were terrified. <laughs> <laughs> we did not expect it to be like this. I knew it was a hard movie, but they didn't know. So they got in there, and it was like really, really loud, and we were the only people in there except for one other guy, which we assumed was the murderer. <laughs> but it was just really a thriller. It was such like a thrilling horror movie. This one takes place in a high-rise where the mother of three kids gets infected with the, the evil. She's Again, a, she's, a dead eye? she's a dead-eye. Mm. Um, and basically just goes ham on these kids, man. I mean, this, I've, these two movies, a lot of child murder in these mm. movies. Um, it's a through line in all of your things. Not, not yes. good stuff happening to kids. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's true. Oh. And Godzilla minus one, I assume some babies died. Yeah, yeah, sure. But it's implied. It's definitely implied. Uh, this movie... Do any babies get skidmerigged? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do. They get skidmerigged. I think that's 2022, though. Isn't no. It? No, really? January of... Oh, well, I'll throw this on my heart. Oh, too. boy. I like Skidmerick. It was uh, interesting. Definitely not a movie to all sit down and watch intently. They got the whole phone. The, the phone. phone is funny and loud. And movie the audio is all warped and succeeds in what it's trying to do. I, I didn't watch this, but I do I do really like the... Back when people were AIing voices of presidents to be yes. in a movie, Joe Biden was in, he was in the house for Skinner. Yeah, you could do a parody of Skinner Ring so easily, and it's funny to me every single time. Please send me them. But um, yeah, Evil Dead Rise, excellent. There's one part, wow. a lot of inventable, inventive kills, and like, it's just perfect at being what it is. Like, I'd say it's like a B minus or a C, mm -hmm. but just like a perfect one of those. Like if if one of these came out every year, I'd see it every year. Is it? it does it tie into the chronology at all? Does that matter? Yeah, yeah there is a Necronomicon. Okay. There's I think relation to some of the characters. The car is in it. You know, like the car that's mm -hmm. in all of the Raimi movies. Just funny because they didn't make it. <laughs> yes, there's chainsaws in it. All right. They okay. say Dead by Dawn. They have the record. They have. It's all, all right. in. That's more than I would have expected. Yeah, they do. It's more than it was an Exorcist to relate to that movie. Wow. <laughs> But uh, also, the biggest seller I can say is if you're a fan of horror movies, a cheese grater is used as a slasher weapon in this movie. Oh, yeah. It, it's so That's a huge endorsement. Nauseating. <laughs> people or on monsters? People. Yeah. Used by monster. Oh. And wow. also, someone eats glass in this movie. So uh, if you don't like seeing I it. I do that all the time. What was the movie that <laughs> came out that was. Oculus, that's what I'm thinking of. The one where it's yeah, like it's a side trip. It's I didn't watch that either, but we had to we had the trailer for a while when I worked at the theater, I want to say. Uh -huh. And uh, the I saw that bit of the, the guy taking the bite out of the light bulb so many times. <laughs> I remember that. I don't think I need to watch the movie. I got everything out of it. You got it. Yeah, <laughs> got yeah, it all sorted out. So I'm considering talk about it. dead reckoning then. Alright, I will I talk about really dead reckoning. I'll talk about dead reckoning. But also Dead Reckoning. 
Yes. Dead Reckoning Part One. Yes, uh, Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One is uh, the Ten most expensive. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> bad, bad title, but uh, this movie is like insanely fucking good. Like I had when I was a, a teenager, I did not know what made the Mission Impossible movies different from. For example, any other the Kingsman movies. Like I didn't know what 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 made them special as a spy series, except for they had that one song that people like. And then while I was working at the movie theater, uh, Mission Impossible: Rogue Nation came out, which is the one with the opening where he hangs off the plane that he actually did it. And why did he do that? Uh, is he stupid? Like why did he do that? Yeah. Um, and I started to gather an affection for those movies beyond like like some people are like I feel like everyone has at least one big giant blockbuster franchise and they're like oh yeah this one is this is the good one this is what this one's allowed Fast and the Furious Fast and the Furious yeah. people a lot of people are Fast and the Furious guys I have nothing Fast against them my uh, my coworker today <laughs> expressed expressed a <laughs> love for the Transformers movies Ooh. that I don't know if I understand but I respect the Equalizer movies oh, the Equalizer I, movies are just straight up good I, I gotta like, watch the new one I haven't seen any of them it's Denzel dude Denzel, Denzel yeah, rules yeah. Equalizer 3 was on the plane I almost put it on um, but uh, I really love these Mission Impossible I still have not seen all of them I, I haven't seen the one that was directed by John Woo I haven't seen the one that was directed by Jade Bruns um, yeah, stop what you're doing to do it uh, yeah yeah they're all as good as, as this one right there. um so he so, ride that bike off the cliff? He fucking did it. So <laughs> you know how it feels when you've been. This is something that we've been experiencing a lot lately, where we go to the theater a lot, and there you see one trailer like all yep. the time, and it can go one of two ways. It can go like the the Gran Turismo way, where you're so annoyed with the trailer that you want to make racer. fun of it every time you it see really it, happens. or uh, the the Bob Marley One Love trailer. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it one time, and I'm fucking so pissed. I, I'm that's over another it. thing that says I won't stop talking. <laughs> The Bob Marley movie. <laughs> when we went to see Poor Things, it happened again. Yeah. Um, but this was one where it's like, every time you see the trailer for Dead Reckoning, Tom Cruise is like, hey, I'm Tom Cruise. I'm about to do the real thing I really did where I ride my motorcycle off the mountain. And you're like, okay, yeah, whatever. And then do you, you see... Do you think they recorded one where he, he's like, okay, so if you're seeing this, I die. <laughs> <laughs> We filmed this last. This all is right. the last, all right, last scene of the movie. If, 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 if I don't make it, then well, the other scenes of the movie. I'm Tom Cruise. Welcome back to the movies. I'm dead. I'm dead. <laughs> but it was worth it because you get to see this amazing stuff. Only in theaters. No. Um, uh, and the almost the whole time I was watching this movie, uh, I was like, that that motorcycle scene hasn't happened yet. Like I, I was like, really yeah, wow, like, really? It's it's like a p- huge part of it's the like biggest climax in the movie. movie cool, it's Holy shit. so good. Before and like the part two, yeah, cliffhanger. Because the big out? stunt in the one I just mentioned, Mission Impossible: Rogue Nation, the one where he's hanging off the plane, that's in the first like two minutes of the movie. I, I feel got like moved that. To the first two oh really? Oh, I didn't know that. I, I do know that. That's I feel like cool. a lot of those big stunts are usually like the like I'm thinking James Bond and stuff. A uh-huh. lot of them are like this is the opening, like establishing everything kind of first. And I want to say I want to say but, it's in Fallout or is it uh, Rogue Nation? Whichever one. Oh, no, no, I'm thinking of him climbing the Burj Khalifa. That's that's in, that's five, in go- I think, and that's like the beginning of the third act. I think. That one is a that's a that's super good. Uh, that is another yeah, insane like. Oh my god. Yeah. That's like not. I'm gonna use the word. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, so this movie, like, it gives you a fucking killer action plot right out of the gate, which is that uh, 
scientists have created an AI that actually works, which will never happen in our world. <laughs> <laughs> Very topical. <laughs> and the video is put in a submarine. Uh, call, yeah, it's put in a submarine basically to be in a closed system where it's not connected. Yeah, I'm doing that right shit. now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, it. What's the name of the AI? The entity. Wow. And it's That's super good. good. And it has its own sound effect when it starts to like in like do stuff. It has its own musical sting. It has like stuff that I feel like a lot of big budget action movies get really sloppy on is like not having a villain with personality. because uh, they're like, oh this, this guy's gonna fucking yeah, yeah, this guy's gonna fucking die. Who we cares? We kill him every movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Mission Impossible villains are usually really good. Yeah. And uh Henry Cable even got to live after uh, his spoilers, but yes. All right. Well, he'll All be right. in part yeah. yeah. So, um. That's, oh. Yeah, that's that's from Fallout Six. Four. The most confusing. This, this is seven subtitles. This is ever. seven. So, um. I uh, yeah, defy so, anyone to list these movies yeah, in order. I could do Impossible. it. Impossible. Don't do it. <laughs> One, two, three. Okay. So, All right. Uh, <laughs> um. Uh. So this movie, like. After we uh, get, like, okay, we're talking about the entity. Like, we have that stuff. Uh, Tom Cruise's uh, Ethan Hunt is going up against, a, like, a real fucking enemy here that is, like, it's, like, going up against entropy. It's going up against the tide changing. It's going up against the phases of the moon. It's like, oh, yeah. you're getting old and new stuff is happening that you're not going to understand. Yeah, and, everybody's like, this is coming. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. And he's like, I can do something about it. And then... Uh, the villain uh, Gabriel, who is like the who basically acts as the physical avatar for the entity. He's like, He's I take my orders from a computer, but yeah, I'm assassin and servant to an AI. Yeah, it's just very cool. Oh god, it's such it. good stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, what's her name? Palm, whatever her last name Palm is. Clementine. Palm Clementine. Palm Clementine. Incredible as the like the the villain's henchman, like the the second in command bad guy under Gabriel. So cool. She does like a, an amazing, like silent villain henchman performance. Like the kind of thing where like people remember Odd Job like a million years after James Bond. I was about Bond. to say like, like Odd Job. Like, uh, Palm in this movie does such a fucking incredible job while saying so little. And there's this amazing scene where uh, uh, fucking Tom Cruise's Ethan Hunt and um, what's her name? Uh, the thief. Um, oh. the, the, the pickpocket character Fake he's fans. paired with. Uh, are doing loop on the third shit in a tiny little Fiat in oh, uh, yeah, and, so, so uh, somebody in front of me was watching this movie on the plane so yeah. I saw that whole action sequence so one scene good. in front of me and so it was good. a tiny was little good. Fiat being chased by this like military Humvee yep. paint, uh, painted all black that Very Tom is cool. driving and she's like doing monster truck shit where she's driving over cars yep. and bikes and stuff Haley Atwell Haley Atwell is so she's so fucking so good, good. To be able to land the plane of introducing a new spunky younger actress yeah. sidekick character and having it be really really good mm-hmm. I'm gonna watch so this, this you have yeah, to watch it. You have to watch this. This movie I, is so fucking good. I'm a good. psycho, though. I will want to watch the whole franchise. You are not missing out by doing that. that uh, this year, I also watched the... have seven good times. What? Yeah. There are a few franchises that you can say that. Yeah, absolutely. Every set piece in this works. Every time they have do they pull out a cliche, they do it in a way that like makes your like brain explode. Like when uh, Ving Rhames goes... They've hacked our system. And yes. you're like, and, and Ving Reeves and uh, Simon Pegg's reaction to that are to take the laptops they're working on and like break them over their knees. Because they're not. Sometimes the AI knew you would do that. Right? Yeah. Uh, that it's rules. so good. Yeah. Oh my God. We gotta move on. We can't yeah. say it. So it was, 
Dead Reckoning. In, in, Dead Reckoning. Incredible. Can't wait for part two. I've heard they're so changing the name. The last one? Part, uh, part two is the last allegedly, one. Allegedly. Tom okay. Cruise is getting old, but we'll see how much money the next one makes. This one didn't make that much money, but that's because they put it up against the literal biggest money makers of the year. <laughs> Perhaps ill-advised. Was this a Barbenha- Barbenheimer? <laughs> yes. Before. No, no. The week after. July, yeah. Uh, Seb, what is your what is your uh, num- what is your last one you want to talk about? You want, I figured you were going to talk Boy and Heron. You want, would, um, you want to talk something oh, else? No, I th- I think Boy and Heron. Um, I don't have enough to actually That's like. I really possible. liked about it, but yeah, it's been talked about. I don't know that it was talked about on the podcast. No, we didn't but, right here. Yeah, we um, to. I don't really. What's the last one you want to say? Too. Send us so, an email. All right, we'll talk so uh, quick shout out to TMNT yep. Mutant Mayhem. Uh, Nick and I saw that together. It was really, really fun. Had all the attitude it needed to have. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it felt like '90s attitude mm-hmm. to me. Um, and the art style, really great. Scribbly, graffiti, mm-hmm. just really good. It How looks I, unique. <laughs> yeah, it looks unique, and I loved it. Um, but I don't want to talk that much about that. Woo! I want to talk about a snub, which oh. I think got exactly what it deserved. I want to talk about Wish. Wow. Right? wow. So I about talking the Walt Disney Corporation, my favorite. Okay. Yeah, so Wish came out uh, November, I think. Uh-huh. Um, and this was supposed to be Disney's 100th uh, anniversary film. The origin and, story of the star that you wish on. Yeah, origin story of the wishing star. And it was such a boring movie. It was like complete. it was a huge mess. It made me feel nothing except for boredom and rage. Um, that Did we get to see Pinocchio in there at all, or what? No, Pinocchio. There were a ton of references to were other the songs. Shit, any though. good, at least? Not really. They were really poppy and not like. Is this up for best original song? Hold on. I don't think so. Flaming Hot, the Hot Cheetos story is up for best original song. That's funny. Are you sure? Uh, awesome. <laughs> oh no, continue talking. Sorry, I got Yeah, scroll. so so um, the, the songs are really poppy, and they were written by people who write for pop artists, and not people who write for musicals or theater or anything that would make sense for it to be in this movie. Seven and I had a really stupid argument about this that I will not repeat. I don't remember what the argument was. I'm not repeating it, so we're that going. We're going I won. Okay. Um, so the, it, it was. Oh, I remember. Okay. Yeah. Uh, never mind. Um, so. It, it was uh, not. It was not good. What is up for best original song? Uh, it Never Went Away uh-huh. uh, from American Symphony uh-huh. on Netflix. That's, come on. Uh, I'm Just Ken from the Barbie film. Okay. What Was I Made For from the Barbie film? Uh, the Fire Inside from Flaming Hot, uh-huh. the documentary on Cheetos. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Wahaze, uh, the Killers of the Flower Moon song. Oh, yeah. A song for my people. That, that okay, song cool. is actually really good. Yeah, it, they were really poppy and they, they didn't feel like they belonged in the spots they actually felt. Like the villain song is The Thanks I Get. And it's just like, this is the thanks I get. You know, it's like really fucking whiny. Who's and the villain? Good. Another star? Chris or? Pine. Well, Chris Pine. Okay, oh, wow. The guy? He's in the movie? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry, so he, I he thought he you plays... were asking who plays the villain. <laughs> no. <laughs> he's a, he's the king of the island and king he... King of the star island? No. <laughs> so, all right. So, so here's... No, you don't have to... Don't, don't bring it up. 
I'm sorry. It sucks. I, I it don't sucks. Want, okay. The art sucks. It looks like they didn't fully render it. They were trying to go for another art style, but it seems like they decided it halfway through production because they saw what happened with, um, like, everybody praising things like Spider-Verse and Puss in Boots and stuff like that. So they were just like, we're going to take a few shaders off and make it look, like, flatter. Mm. Um, and... They they did that and then the backgrounds look like Kinkade, but they're not even that good. And Kinkade sucks. I hate that guy. <laughs> um, and the like, uh, he's dead anyway. I can like he sucks. Um, the songs suck. The story sucks. It's full of references that don't make any sense. Um, like Asha's grandfather gets his wish back and he doesn't even use it. He's just completely fucking flat and asha is flat and she doesn't do anything that like i think is particularly like like character defining at all i have Um, the feeling that if you if they put out like an honest development history of this it would sound like when you talk to the people who made halo 2 about their development no where they're like we had a you know we had a whole song that was meant to go here and uh, we had, you know, we, there was a scene that was meant to illustrate how Master Chief got down to that planet, but that cut scene broke, and the <laughs> game had to come out. So, the no, make so it work. There, like, we've heard rumors from people uh-huh. who worked in the movie that there was a lot of executive uh, oh, meddling. The wish star and, needs to be bigger, bigger. So, the wish star is a. It looks like a Luma. It looks exactly like a Luma, um, and they. Uh, they came out with a concept art book and all the concept art and the, the development in there is so much fucking better than what actually ended up in the movie. Like the, the wish star could wish a shapeshifter. And he, he was a guy and then, and he could talk or he couldn't talk or he was mute or like they, they had a bunch of like phases of development and then it always ended up being the most corporate answer, even though they had a lot of good ideas for everything. Like, there's a song where Asha and Magnifico are singing it, and it sounds like a fucking love song, and it's weird that it's in that spot, but it was supposed to be between they, like, Asha they, and the Starboy, and, it, like... They wrote the song, they had to get it in there, and they just yeah. put it in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they just changed a few words, <laughs> and it didn't work. Um, so I'm sure they do all the music way before the animation. Oh, stuff. yeah. That's the, the production stuff that should be first, ideally. Yeah. So but it, unfortunately, it just, that also means that if stuff changes, then you don't know what to do with it. God, the entire production of this movie was a fight. Like, I can't wait to hear more about what actually happened Yeah, in a couple of years, it. you're, you're going to get big yeah. Twitter threads about, it's, I worked on Disney's Wish, and it fucking sucks. Yeah, I walked but, out of the theater, and I was like, I didn't feel anything. That was so, like bland and boring and then the more i thought about it and the more i learned about what happened during the production the more angry i got about it so now you know all about the star that pinocchio wished on though (laughs) i know isn't that good yep all right that's dovetails next right right nicely into my next week where we're playing lies of p wow no that's not actually my i don't want to play it i don't want to play a video game right now Uh, again um, so, yeah, Alex, what's your last uh, thing? I think I'm going to talk about Ferrari for a sec. Ferrari! Um, I also want to, I want to shout out Dream Scenario, but I won't have time to get into that. That yeah. was fun. Uh, sleeper hit of the year for me. One of the Tars. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ferrari was another, like The Killer, was a really highly anticipated movie for me mm. because it's I another blank really check director that I really like. <laughs> Michael Mann's new movie. Man. Making uh, such a man, yep. man guy movie. 
Adam Driver playing like 20 years older than he is uh, and it like works. That performance is weird, but I loved it. It was there. There are like two actors in that movie that aren't Italian and they play like <laughs> fucking Mario voices, but it works so well. <laughs> yeah, Adam Driver not doing an Italian accent at all. <laughs> it's so crazy. It's wild. It's remarkable the things like so much of man's work is known for being meticulous in these certain ways and like getting like oh uh going all the way back to his first feature of thief like oh well here how would you actually break into a safe we're just gonna do it for real like we're just gonna actually bother to weld open this thing or, or yeah. like yeah. Open this you thing. yeah and it's like okay. james we're gonna teach james con james con how to actually pick the locks himself because <laughs> that's that, that would just be real the the big biggest surprise of this for me, because I, I knew it was kind of a biopic, like that's the flavor of this year, I think, um, is the like movie about a real guy. Um, but uh, I didn't really, I, I figured there'd be more action because this is Michael Mann, but, and there is great action. The whole race sequence is awesome. It is so incredibly well shot. Uh, but there's also a lot of like interpersonal drama. This is mm. more about his like, marriage than it is about his cars <laughs> and that stuff was great i loved that stuff it's yeah. so interesting and it works super well it was like the emotional backbone of this movie the grief over losing their child and how both uh enzo ferrari and his wife deal with that uh in two very different ways uh but all, all that stuff was super cool. I love that their co uh, company is constantly out of money and is, go is going to go under. Because all uh, he wants to do is race and not actually, like, uh, sell cars. Right, yeah. We, I'm not like Jaguar. I We we don't uh, race so that we can sell more cars. We sell cars so we can race. Mm. Good good stuff. And he, the bloodiest carnage maybe in, in any of these movies we've yeah, described so far. The right... Yeah. Spoilers. The race disaster is was, was shocking and you could kind of see it coming, but I don't think at least any of us who watched it was expecting no, that. that level no, of gory details. Google and then go see the movie and be like, oh, it is depicted. Like, it's a thing that happened. Yeah. But to be like, to, to hear, if you hear, there was a car crash, you have an image in your head about... The amount of people who would be affected by that. <laughs> and the number is so much lower than what happened in this movie. Yeah. It was uh, the the whole idea of the like cross-country race is super appealing. I loved that uh, all these guys are just driving around on the street and going really fast and like everyone is excited to see it and they do their little pit stops. It, the uh, all of the direction on the races were so was so cool. There were so many like uh, on the dashboard shots, like low angle shots, that he had so much fun putting the camera wherever he wanted in all of these. Um, one of my big impressions watching this race was that uh, both the uh, Ferrari crew and the Maserati crew have both have red cars, yeah. which is it, 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 a really funny choice. From, such a fucking yeah. <laughs> it's such a funny choice for like a direction standpoint. It's like okay, these are four cars that are all racing and they're all red. All red, you know going on correct and they do like i think they did a pretty good job of keeping it all straight because they like the um, maserati hood ornament is so uh like recognizable and the ferrari don't have hood ornaments they've got the like decal of the horse or whatever so it was like just enough where i'm like okay i kind of and especially uh when you've been watching this movie and you've seen all the actors a lot but in the race, they're all wearing full helmets and goggles. So you're like, which white guy is driving it's which car? It's almost a reveal when you find out who won the race. Yeah. Because they take off their helmet. 
good. Yeah, super interesting. The the cast was really great. I I loved all the racers. I love how uh, like shocking and, and suspenseful and gory all of the uh, crash stuff was. I really like the kind of thesis of this movie that is like. Uh, men really do want to go die in a car, mm-hmm. and it's like yeah. I, I. He doesn't do... have to do that much convincing. He's like no, totally. <laughs> I, I completely relate. <laughs> I'm shocked how much I'm like. Yes, well, this you, is good. You do drive, get to work in ten minutes. Yep, so you, yep. You, we're quite a bit away. I would love to die in a car. It's my dream. You're actively working towards it. Yeah, uh, I really dug it too. I, I was surprised at how much. Yeah, I, I think that this is, like, not the most exciting of Michael Mann's work, but it's such an interesting thing for him. I really liked it. Uh, big hit for me. Anyway, go ahead. Michael Mann, big hit. Yeah. Close this out, Kate. I got one more, right? Yep. Uh, I'll just quickly talk about uh, Blackberry. I thought mm-hmm. it was going to be one of my favorites of the year. All I was hearing about it was just really good. You got um, Glenn Powell? Yeah. Glenn Powell? How, I, I keep wanting to say Howard, but that's the always sunny one. No, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Glenn, yeah, Glenn, Glenn Howerton. Glenn Howerton, yeah. Um, incredible. And it's, yes. And like, um, that's is he just the guy like, with glasses or is he the other guy? He's the bald guy. Oh, okay. He wears a nice bald cap in this movie. And like, I was like, oh, I really like him. Do I just like him because I like the character of Dennis? And then he just kind of plays Dennis in this movie. So, yeah. so you are just I mean, like, I guess he is an executive. He's a sociopath, <laughs> but like, he's supposed to be a sociopath. Where like, Dennis in the show was a sociopath. Doesn't really make any sense. Like, there's no reason he should be an egotistic maniac. He works at a bar, but yeah. like this time yeah, he's yeah. the CEO of a company, so it makes sense. And he just like loves hockey, and that's his downfall in a way, which is really funny. This is another movie about a bunch of guys who did a thing. Yes, it's another company movie in the in the Hot Cheetos Barbie Air Air mm-hmm. big one. Didn't see it. That, that movie made upset. specifically for me. Tetris. I, um, I can't remember if Tetris was this year or last year, but that one sucks shit. It was <laughs> I heard it was so bad. Tetris. Tetris has a really interesting story that they didn't use. They yeah. used the story of not the guy who made Tetris, which is a really like he he comes comes from nothing and like you know it's still like his stuff work is technically public domain like anyone can make a Tetris <laughs> and uh, he, you know he doesn't like own it it's, it's all this kind of interesting stuff tied up in it but instead they got the guy who licensed Tetris to be on the Game Boy this yeah. is his story it's like whoa I discovered this game it's like fuck you yeah. <laughs> it's famous made by a guy who made it but uh, Blackberry just ended up being kind of fine. I think I did watch Steve Jobs and The Social Network again this year. So watching those two up against this, they just blow it out of the This water. feels very Social Network, having it's, not seen a second of it. It just like is. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's just like if you want to watch The Social Network but not watch The Social Network, yeah. you should watch Blackberry. Like it has like even like lines that are clearly supposed to be like really funny. Like they're... My favorite line in the movie, though, is Glenn Powell, Glenn Howerton screaming, um, I, oh shit, where the fuck are they from? Uh, oh man. Oh, hold on, it's, it's in this letterbox review, I, I think. It is. I'm on. from blank, where the vampires hang out. Yep. Sent from Waterloo, where the vampires <laughs> hang out. <laughs> I'm from Waterloo, where the vampires hang out. And they're all just like really nice people, aside from him. Yeah, very funny. It's just like a crazy thing that he screams. That's and, like, good. There are other really funny lines in this movie, and like really good performance by the lead. And it's just like he has a goofy friend who's like really smart, but just wants to be a happy, you know, go lucky, make stuff, and he wants more than that. It's just really solid, but not as not really too innovative. I like the book. All right, that is.
our first movie the segment. First an part incredible, of our podcast. It is going to be cut ah! up quite a bit. Yes. We had a lot to say. There were too many movies. And there was still a bunch of stuff we didn't talk about. Yeah, and way I'm not more. Go- and I'm going to... Uh, we're not just... going to talk about it. No, sorry. we're not. We're not. Um, Seb said Chris Pine in uh, the Wish part. And I was reminded that I watched a movie last night of uh, the Dungeons and Dragons movie that he oh, stars in. Wow. That's really good. Honor among thieves. But you, well, there's can't yeah, talk like, about I, it. I, I guess, I'm, I'm, put I'm, no I'm, blame I'm, on him for yeah. the quality of Wish. Yeah. Well, I was just you just reminded me. That's all. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. when we come back, we're going to talk about the actual Best Picture nominees. Can you believe there are more movies came out this year? I sure fucking can. Wow. you come to write this book? What really struck me was that too few books were about my people. Where are our stories? Where's our representation? Would you give us the pleasure of reading an excerpt? Yo, Sharonda, girl, you be pregnant again? If I is, Ray Ray is gonna be a real father this time around. Thank you. Your books are good, but they're not popular. Editors, they want a black book. They have a black book. I'm black, and it's my book. You know what I mean. Look at what they publish. Look at what they expect us to write. I just want to rub their noses in it. (laughs) I'd be standing outside in the night. Deadbeat dads, rappers, crack. You said you wanted black stuff. That's... Black, right? I see what you're doing. We sold your book. No. We believe Mr. Lee has written a bestseller. It's a joke. The most lucrative joke you've ever told. Now, is Stag a pseudonym? Yeah. Mr. Lee can't use his real name. Is this based on your actual life? Yeah, you think some bitch-ass college boy can come up with that shit? No, no. No, I don't. Can I ask what you were in for? was a murder. You said that, not me. They ran 300,000 copies. Your books changed people's lives. They're offering $4 million for movie rights. Yes! The dumber I behave, the richer I get. This has gone too far. Stag Arley is still on the run for authorities. You haven't done anything. It's not like they can arrest you. I could go back to not selling books. Is it bad to cater to people's tastes? People want to love you, Monk. You should let them love all of you. There's already so much buzz because of the movie deal. Michael B. Jordan is circling. We want to put him on the cover in one of those um, uh, scarves, I guess you would call them, tied around his head. A do-rag? Do-rag, that's it. Do-rag and a tank top with the muscles showing. Something called the fire department. We can get it out in time for Juneteenth. Welcome back to the Don't. 
where uh, this year we are cribbing from a much stupider, worse awards show that hasn't happened yet, the Academy Awards. We're taking their Best Picture nominees, and this week it was Alex Week, and he asked us, hey, can you watch a Best Picture nominee? And some of us said yes. Is it really Alex um, Week? I and, watched half uh, of one. Huh. <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, the Best Picture nominees are American Fiction, <laughs> Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, and The Zone of Interest. Uh, right off of the bat, none of us saw Zone of Interest, but everything else... Not for lack of trying. Uh, and Alex only saw half of Maestro. So <laughs> it was good so far. There will be no- <laughs> I was kind of into it. That's about... I'm interested in the opinion if you were into it so uh, Yeah, can I just... I'm just going to do two seconds because I didn't finish the movie. <laughs> okay, this is... This is the Maestro segment. <laughs> this exists out of time. So I didn't know that this was about Leonard Bernstein, <laughs> which is really <laughs> funny. Right, let's move on. <laughs> um, what else? What are the other no, but Bradley Cooper he plays it really well. It's it's fun. It's interesting. Um, I uh, have only seen the first half, so <laughs> I really don't have much more to say. What's the actual arc of this movie? Like, uh, uh, it's it, it, it's, it can't. He doesn't have the whole movie. It's like he an early. It, it, it jumps in at an early point of his life, and then it kind of fast forwards. It's this movie is obvious about. about it, it's about him being very gay. Yeah, I believe he's gay, but he gets married. To uh, yes. Not man. And yeah. they uh, like the kind of halfway point interesting scene is like his like fifteen year old uh, daughter is like, I heard you're kind of gay, and he's like, No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's it's actually a pretty quietly tragic moment obviously mm-hmm. um but uh it's interesting bradley cooper is really going there for, for it. you right yes <laughs> i'm like oh he said he's not gay okay i believe him sev you watched american fiction which i also watched some of yes i did yes yeah, yeah, i just his did oscars yes yeah we did okay. yes those zone, are the two zone, that... zone of interest in maestro Everyone one and a half sorry. movies sorry. nobody watched um okay so um <laughs> I had only seen Oppenheimer and Barbie when we decided to uh, watch this, and everybody else had or do this episode, and everyone else had already seen those, and we'd already talked at length about them, not on the podcast, but w- among ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I decided yesterday, I just watched a bunch of trailers, and I decided which things looked interesting to me and which things didn't, um, and I decided that Zone of Interest, Killers of the Flower Moon, Holdovers, Anatomy of Fall, and... Uh, American fiction looked interesting to me, which is most of them. Um, But then I went on Alex's Plex, and the first thing I saw was American fiction. So I decided to watch it. (laughs) Well, it was very recently added. Um, Just barely beating out Anatomy of a Fall alphabetically. Yeah. Yep. Um, So American fiction also sounded really interesting to me because it's about um, an author who uh, basically is a fraud. Um, not necessarily on purpose as a joke. Um, so it's a bit that he didn't write his stuff, or no. Yes. So um, nobody else watches. I, I watched the I watched I the first half of this. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Wow. So, so no, no, no. Is he gay? Does he say he's not? No. I go. I go. Me. So this movie is about a black literature professor. Um, I forgot what school he's at. It doesn't matter. 
Um, and he um, goes back home to his family um, after kind of getting put on leave because he yells at a white student for being too uncomfortable with the N-word um, because they are learning about Southern literature and it's going to show up. Um, he goes a bit too far with it. Um, but yeah, he gets put on leave. He goes home to his family um, in Boston, um, A, for a conference, but also B, to see his family. Um, he was born into an affluent black family and is affluent himself, sort of, as a college professor, as far as a college professor goes. But um, his siblings are doctors. His mother lives in a nice big house. Um, they have a, a maid and all that. Um, so he has been in academia for a really long time, and he is fed up with the way that black people are treated in media. He hates, you know, kind of black exploitation type of things. Everything's about gangs, drugs, uh, the plight of the African-American being shot by cops, the, you know, slave movies and all that. Like, he, he feels like everything is about, oh, look at these poor black people or look at how how they live and stuff like that. Um, so the way he writes, he just writes normal shit. Like, he doesn't write anything specifically about being African-American. Um, and yet he sees his stuff showing up in African-American studies um, sections in bookstores. And he's like, I'm not writing about that. I just want to be a normal guy. Um, so he ends up, as a joke, writing a book um, that is just about, like, it, it never ends up being, like, totally explained, but it's, like, a guy who's, like, a fugitive, and he kills his dad, and he's on drugs, and he's in the street, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And he sends it to his agent, and his agent is like, this is garbage. This is trash garbage. Why would you send this to me? What do you want me to do with this? And he's like, it's a joke. I just want, I, I, it was, I was so frustrated that I wrote the trash that I hate and that I, I just wanted them to see how ridiculous it is. So just send it out. He sends it out. The white publishers buy his book yeah, for an insane amount of money because they also want to do a movie deal. Um, and so he has to deal with this and he, he wrote it under a pen name and he pretends like under this pen name, he pretends to be an actual wanted fugitive and that this is like semi-autobiographical. That's great. And, That's an interesting term. Yeah. So he, he has to deal with all that. And then at the same time, he's dealing with his family. Um, his sister dies while he's there. She has a heart attack. Um, and then he has to also take care of his own mother um, who has Alzheimer's. Um, and they are just finding out that she has Alzheimer's. Um, and then he has a girlfriend. And he's like hiding all this stuff about his book from everybody else. Um, because he doesn't want to be seen as that same trash that he he hates so much. Yeah, um, that's interesting. And yeah, so the whole movie kind of deals with... Um, and, oh, and then there, there's another author who was writing what he thought was the same garbage. But he finds out since he ends up on a, a, a literature like award committee mm -hmm. um, with this woman. Great fake name, Sintara Golden. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Who is played by Issa Rae. Yeah, really uh, good. Oh. I love her. <laughs> Um, so, like, he thinks she's writing the same trash that he hates, but it comes out eventually that, um, she did a lot of research. This is kind of like, it sounded like it was like an actual anthology of people 
that she interviewed. Mm-hmm. Like, this is real stuff that happened and not just stupid made-up <laughs> shit to pander. He's, he is so dismissive of, yeah. like, of this stuff. There's a great scene of him being at a reading of one of her books and just making this face the whole time. Like, you are doing the most offensive caricature of black people yeah. and the black experience. And she's, she's black herself, so... Yes, and, and so he is, like... He is like, you are like spitting this out. You were just giving them everything they want. Mm-hmm. This is so degrading. And then for him to be like put in the situation where he has to acknowledge that, that he's like real people are dealing with this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, it really does like just, you know, confront this guy who's so dismissive of everything that he perceives as like beneath him. Yeah. So the whole movie kind of deals with um, like how... If if you're black and you're a creator, you can't win. It's either you have to pander to white people with, like, gangs and drugs or slave stuff. You have to make um, the green book. You have to make that. <laughs> or, no. or you pander to white people by assimilating. The green book. <laughs> and, and that's what he's been doing all these years is saying, I'm not black. I don't believe in race. I just want to write my own thing. I, like... You know, he just wants to be a white guy, basically. Um, and they don't say that explicitly, but there's a really poignant... Um, towards the end of the movie, there's a, there's a really poignant shot where he's going down a staircase, and there's an image from a famous study um, where researchers, uh, you know, they, they took kids, and they would present them with a black baby doll or a white baby doll. And the black kids, um, for the most part, picked the white baby doll instead of the black baby doll, um, even though the black baby doll was the one that looked like them. They, they preferred whiteness over blackness. Um, so, like, it, it's kind of like, like, that shot was just kind of him realizing, like, oh, maybe I am running away from my own blackness. Maybe I'm running away from, you know, what it's like for other black people. I'm affluent, but... You know, we all have very different lives. We're not all just regular, you know, like academics <laughs> like yeah, he right. grew up with. Um, but, I mean, so it, it deals with all that. And then I was also really kind of affected by everything going on with his mother. Um, because the way they portrayed Alzheimer's in this movie was actually quite real. Because mm. um, I saw that with my aunt. And, you know, there's personality change there's at the beginning when they start to forget important things and you're like no that's not and, and they she kind of gets her daughter is divorced right yeah and, the beginning. and oh. they they get very defensive and they give you know explanations that don't make any sense uh-huh. um or you know then they'll have very bad days where they have you know like a stroke or a seizure or you know just are very out of it they sundown um they say shit that you just they never would have said before um, even if it's like something they actually thought, they just say it in a way that you're like, you didn't have to say that, <laughs> like very mm-hmm. blunt. Um, so his his the whole story with his mother really affected me, um, and I just really appreciated this movie a lot. And, oh, and th- there's a scene also where he's writing out the book. Um, oh man, it's is so really fucking good. good. I wish they did more of it. Um, where he's writing the book and the, the characters he's writing kind of appear and act out the scene in his uh, office. 
and they talk to him about it. He's like, what am I supposed to do next? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And as somebody who, who writes uh, or and, you know, has characters and everything, sometimes it does feel like that where I'm just like, hmm, what, what do you do next? And they're like, I don't know. I want to <laughs> do this. And I'm like, no, you're not doing that. You know, uh, that, that kind of thing. Um, so it, it like... I liked a lot of parts of this film. The ending of the film, I don't know, Nick, um, maybe I won't go into it too much, um, but it fakes you out a mm -hmm. little bit, um, and then it fakes you out again. <laughs> and and I, I'm not sure how much I liked it, but then, like, it's actually very fitting, mm -hmm. um, the ending of the film, because they're flip-flopping between whether they want to pander or they don't want to pander. Which is the, uh, the whole movie's about, so... Yeah. 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 So it's... It's really good. It's a good film. I would recommend it wow. a lot. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It sounds good. I'll, I'll probably try and give this a shot. Yeah. This is one that I wanted to watch. That was but. the highest mm -hmm. on my list of yeah. From what I had watched, it does yeah. a great job of not giving you any stock characters and making fun of you for wanting that. Yeah, they're all very yeah. complex. Trying to snap things to yeah. an archetype or a trope. There's like... a great moment where you meet his brother, who is a plastic surgeon. Uh, and like they talk about like oh I don't know aren't you making good money where they say stuff like aren't you a doctor and he's like whatever and then uh, he's like uh, I don't know how's your family he's like my wife found out that I'm gay so my family is very bad right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh and and hey yeah Cliff Cliff is like that's the the brother yeah. and he's going like all out with his gayness now because he's like well cat's out of the bag I'm yeah. just gonna like go fuck all these twinks and be on cocaine there's a scene where they're they're calling where uh, monk is calling him about like hey uh, I need to know how much money you can afford to uh, put chip in to put our mom in a home now that she's death needs 24 hour care and he's doing a line of coke during that scene <laughs> yeah. like Cliff is doing a line of coke during that scene it's very good yeah so wow it sounds yeah. good yeah, what, yeah. yeah I didn't know what this was movie this movie was about yeah. so this sounds great un unmarketed really yeah I, mean, I, yeah. I had to seek out what this movie yeah. was well. yeah. although I don't have cable that's, that's kind of um, not ironic but fitting too yeah because it isn't <laughs> it yeah. isn't about like slaves or yeah or race there are a couple of movies that came out this year that i feel like suffered from that about like maybe being a little too high concept like explain this in one sentence sorry i can't like, no i <laughs> yeah like um, i i could say it's about um an african-american author who uh writes a a book writes a fake book to make a point writes a fake book <laughs> to make a point and gets in shit for it but that, but doesn't, that doesn't really do it justice it also doesn't happen until a shocking amount of time through the movie <laughs> yeah they build up his whole life before they show you why he would want to write this book yeah and he ends up like going with the the deal even because of the stuff going on with his mom yeah so yeah, like that makes sense yeah like he um, needs money anatomy of a fall who wants to take point on that me yeah that's, that's cam's that's big one probably well, it's so tough. This year was such a problem. There are so many fucking good movies Barbie, that came out this year. Oppenheimer, Killers of the Flower Moon are just like huge, gigantic titans. Yep. And if, and if we don't get a chance to talk about them, they're all very they good movies. They like, like incredibly talked about. Yep. Incredible, huge directors doing huge things that became like cultural phenomena. Yeah, we got so, a Marty this year. We got, we got a Nolan Marty, this year. We got a Nolan and Greta Gerwig making yeah. another triumphant return, making an incredibly huge movie that mm -hmm. spawned huge things. We'll be Barbenheimer movies are back. But um, Anatomy of Fall is a lot like a video game I like. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Enemy of Fall is very much like a, I we I mentioned it the last time I did a big episode on this pod was uh, uh, a few good men getting mm-hmm. in the courtroom yep. movies. So courtroom drama. Right. Then seeing that there was a big Oscar Best Picture nominated courtroom drama coming, I was like, oh, shit, I gotta watch that. And it can kind of I can kind of say I watched a foreign film too. Mm-hmm. It, is a, because it, it, a it is a foreign film, and even though there's some English dialogue. Yeah, and like the the varying languages are important to the movie yeah too. i love how that tracks throughout the movie it's mm-hmm. so cool it's just so great and like i compared it to tar before and i really loved tar and I, it's just like it was great to see a modern courtroom drama especially with such a big twist of it being a french courtroom which is basically jersey shore where anyone can yell at anyone <laughs> there are no rules there are literally no rules and you're allowed to be an asshole it's almost encouraged they don't wear funny asshole. wigs but they do wear funny outfits yeah. it's, it's a it's bizarre <laughs> it's yeah it's crazy and like it's like a battle in there which is it's so good and then they throw in the the curveball of like the star witness being the blind son mm. of the defendant. Like it's yeah. just like I it's so interesting that they pull that off because like yes, it's the, so cliche. The, 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 the blind yeah, yeah, the blind guy is like such a detective trope. It is such a crime trope. It's like yeah. the only witness can't see. Yeah. And it's like, so happy. But the fact that they did this and yeah. it worked, I'm like, wow. It's Part of wild. the thing that makes this work is that you are not on you are not on anyone's side necessarily. Like obviously we are seeing this movie from the perspective most of the time of uh, Sandra Huller's character. Um, yeah, I you are really on the I, it's interesting you're like you don't know what's going on at all, really. Yeah, you, you don't yeah. see the, the prosecution in meetings figuring out what they're going to do. But yes. You kind of have an idea about what they're going to say because you see her life and you're like... True. I'm but, very, very easily swayed of like, you're you're supposed to be on this guy's side. I'm mm-hmm. very much like, I'm with the protagonist mm-hmm. of this movie. And this movie is like, introduces you as with her and it's like, God, this husband is so weird and annoying, right? And then you start to get his side, and you're like, oh, boy, I don't know if I'm supposed to be on her side. And then you start to get the kid's side, and you're like, oh, God, I get they just get along. <laughs> so I'm about to say something really corny, so I'm ready to let you know about it right now, which is something that I already put in my stupid letterbox. Oh, yeah, so do about it. the children? Do it. No, uh, so you are the, the, person, the person watching this film. You are the jury in this oh, film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You in don't France, they don't really have one? Shit. Well, it's because they're there, but they were. Hard yeah, to yeah I have no idea what the. Say. Also, I don't know. Everyone is allowed to raise their hand like it's a math class for some reason and just interrupt them. Uh, the French court's weird to me. But um, in Anatomy of a Fall, you get information at the same time the people in the courtroom are getting it. At the same time the judges are, are getting the yeah, information. Yeah, they're presenting evidence to you yes. as well as to the people in the courtroom. Right. Generally. You hear about some of the stuff. Like, you hear about the audio recording, uh-huh. but you don't hear it until it's irrelevant to the case. You don't see the titular fall. You only see it when the body is discovered. You yeah. There's so many things that you have to infer based on something that someone said or based on other information that you have. Because just like the people inside the courtroom, it's all ambiguous, you know. Life is complicated. And there's a great scene where, she, where our, our lead is going, you think that tape illuminates things, but it just, it just makes things even more complicated. It's like, it's a tape where she says, I sure do hate my husband. And yeah, I, I, I could kill him. It would of, like, be too plate, bad if he there, fell. There are a bunch of plate-breaking noises, but then the, the uh, defense is like, uh, those noises were caused by this. It's an, it's an 
hole in the wall that's the exact shape of his fist that yeah, he yeah. punched into the wall. It's like, oh, that was the noise in here. It's like, oh, so he wasn't, they didn't get, he didn't get to a fight with his wife. Well, he did, but just a verbal one. The physical altercation was him getting so pissed off, he punched the wall, and here's the hole that is the exact shape and yeah, size. Yeah, it's my like great courtroom stuff. The, sorry, I, I don't mean to pay up. No, it's okay. The restraint to, like, not show you the husband pretty much at all in the whole movie mm-hmm. until the big flashback, like, fight sequence, which is, like, when they're playing the audio recording. Yeah. It's so, I, like, was so floored by that. I'm like, are we ever going to see this guy? And then they just, like, blow you away with a his huge scene. His character is just so good. Like, I really liked his character. And just, like, the the ending in the movie is so much, like, you're just like, can't we just put all this behind us? But, like, it, that's even, like, a bad read on the end. It would have funny if they brought back the steel I, drum cover of PIMP. Yeah. Oh, yes. We're going to talk about it. Dog playing a huge part in the movie. 50 Cent. But no, it's okay. Snoop said too. But, um, Snoop does as well. Because that's why, oh, that's why the, the dog, dog is named, named oh, Snoop. Yes. That's yes. why the dog is named yeah. Snoop. But, yeah, great, great movie. I think that, like, putting the kid to make the decision and the whole recording at the end is so cliche but just like it all works really yeah they sell it it doesn't feel corny the performances the performances are so good and it just for me anyway it really made me think about like how you can you know be in a relationship with someone and manipulate them in subtle ways to the point where you completely change how they are and you don't know how bad you're being to someone and who holds the power in a relationship and like it's money really and the kids and yeah. it's just so messy and it's just like god when did it ever get this complicated and it's just brutal and it's um huh. it was really really good i just really i uh, dug, i dug this movie. um I didn't connect with this movie as much as you did, but in talking about it and remembering a lot of stuff that I really liked about yeah. it, I think I got caught up too much in trying to figure out like who done it and how done it, more so than trying to like really get a feel for the characters and stuff. It's that corny shit that uh, they would say about that Lynch would say about Twin Peaks. It's like in order to solve the murder of this girl, you have to solve her entire life. Like, you have to, you have to figure it's out... It's also something corny we've said on this podcast of, like, the vibes versus structure. Right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I'm yeah. much more interested in the characters and I, what's going I on. I was definitely structuring this a little bit, especially towards the end when there's, like, 15 minutes of the movie after the verdict, and you, it, yeah. I was kind of waiting for anything to happen there, yeah. but it is, it's kind of like an intentional re- release more than it is, like... Yeah. I, I was expecting, like... The villain monologue. I did it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or setting. something really stupid and corny there that it wouldn't have worked. But I was kept. I'm like, there's like something worse. There's like five minutes left in this movie. Are we gonna do nothing? Or it's like, is it just gonna be? You don't even get a final scene with the sun. Yeah. Yeah. I really dug it, and the setting also pushed it over the top for me of just being yeah. a snow. Great winter <laughs> movie. Isolated oh. French cabin movie with Shining. sweaters. It just lovely. <laughs> Um, so next is Barbie. We're skipping that. Uh, Barbie's really good. So it's twice. Yeah, Barbie's good. <laughs> no, it's very good. Um, it does not need to solve feminism. No, I, 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 I like the, I like the scene where they say guys will always talk to you about the Godfather. Yes, uh, that was the best. I just watched the Godfather. <laughs> we, we fulfilled that prophecy, and yep. uh, I did like also that uh, Ken has a one-up arcade uh, Mortal Kombat two build a cabinet <laughs> in his. Uh, Mojo Dojo Casa I House. I used the phrase yeah. Mojo Dojo Casa House like last week. There you go. My my other thoughts on the movie are not necessary. Um, 
And uh, after that, going down alphabetically, we've got the holdovers. Bring me in on the yes. holdovers. The holdovers. So I went and saw this movie with uh, Cam and I's mom. We had a well, it was really special. Like it was, it was such a. This is an amazing movie to see with your mom. Like oh, it's, yeah. it's a it's a really good one. I watched it next to my mom on the plane. Yeah. Does that count? Yeah, I think it does. Um, <laughs> you were with she your mom. She was watching you saw uh, it. Priscilla. Yeah. She didn't like Priscilla. <laughs> but you had a great time with all of them. It's an awful so, movie. Don't watch it. Everyone knows that Paul Giamatti is a great... It's, you should be excited when he shows up in something because oh, yeah. he's a great guy. This like, is very much a, a Giamatti vehicle. Yeah, well, the, this movie has three leads who all give incredible performances. One who this is like the first time... Like, they plucked him out of the primordial soup. Like he had never <laughs> been acting in anything before. And they're like, this guy, this this guy's going to be the emotional heart of our movie. This kid, Dominic, Dominic, whatever his name is. Um, I'll get you. I'll get you. And uh, then Divine Joy Randolph, as well as the uh, the lead cook for the school that they are stuck at over the uh, Christmas break. Uh, she, I feel like she's a lock for best supporting. She does such an amazing job she in this movie. Me? Yeah, she did. Yeah. I think she's like yeah, yeah, it's it's a great pick. She's like this. I mean, it, they're a really close trio in like how much screen time they have, mm-hmm. but uh, like a really interesting like leveling presence. Because obviously, like Giamatti's teacher character is persnickety and weird and uh, prickly in a completely different way, and she's, she's like much. She's the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Really, it's mm-hmm. her it's, life is so sad. She has so much tragedy in her story, but she's still a lot warmer and more caring like she's she's the one who has to tell has to tell Paul Giamatti like look this kid is still a kid you have to treat him she did like, like you, four you, times yeah, in the movie she's like, like dude what the fuck if you treat him <laughs> be, a, treat be him a normal like, guy please if you treat him like an adult then he's just going to get pissed off at you because he's not ready for it yet He's not ready for you to be harsh to him like you're harsh to everyone else in your life. And that's why people don't like you. And also you smell, which is a part of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I uh, I watched this on the plane. Uh, I watched half of it on the way to my vacation and half of it back from my vacation on two separate plane rides. Um, I did like this movie. I think this movie is better than... If this becomes like a, like a holiday movie a la Elf and the like, uh, it is better than most of those, I think. That one I almost watched because yesterday was a snow day and I was like, oh, yeah. it's snowy. I, that would yeah. be a good snow day movie. I think it, I like, I don't, uh, this is like absolutely moronic to say, but like this does not, this does not scream Oscars for me. It's weird that it's here. Uh, I wow. enjoyed it. I thought it was one of the most Oscars. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it really, I, I don't feel like it hits that quadrant. I don't know why. from a beloved actor, period piece, mm-hmm. heartfelt. I think, yeah. Well, it feels this feels like a the kind of movie that they don't make anymore, which they, is why the, it's here. Maybe the, and they the trailer looks like that with yeah, the with yeah, the production stuff at the beginning and the film grain. I thought they were going to do more of that, but they pretty much only do with the production stuff at the beginning and the uh, and the the trailers, like the stuff that's around the movie, like the credits and things like that. When they introduce people, they have like credits overlaid the way they used to overlay stuff, where you would stop the whole frame and just put something on top of it. Um, and, uh, but they don't stylize it too much because I think they don't want to distract from the form, from the story with the, the, the form of the story, you know, Mm. like, uh, they have a really 
like sweet, interesting, multifaceted story that they want to tell. Yeah, there's and a lot going on it for how simple. I mean, it, simple a setup this is. It doesn't just <laughs> end on Christmas. It's not just yeah. a Christmas movie. It is do... the whole Christmas break. So yeah. they've got to get they've got to get New Year's in there. They've mm-hmm. got to get until school oh, starts up again. And mm. when school starts again is when the movie ends. And yeah. that last part oh, is really yeah. good. Like it's a very it's, satisfying yeah. ending that Definitely. works out super well. That. And it's not just then then everyone lived happily ever after they have choices to make you know you get vintage studio logos yes mm-hmm. vintage cool. studio logos uh all the cars perfect like uh, there are not a ton of them uh cultural references you know the uh, they, they got that stuff going on i uh when they go to a party at one point in the story and the music that is playing is like perfect and like the yeah. yeah they they got some really really great stuff going on they talk about think... the newlyweds game in a great scene the like I one of the biggest surprises for, for me for in for this movie uh because they ran the trailers for this seemingly for like four months before this movie came out I had seen this is a movie theater trailer I had seen a lot before this movie yeah. came out yeah I, I saw it in something we one saw of the United one of the before. like I don't they probably might mentioned it and I or like it might have come up but I didn't know this was rated R I didn't know they said fuck in this movie mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like cool hell yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this definitely seems. This definitely screams PG. I was like, they talk about sex in a way that is both very funny and very real, but they don't. They're not like you know, uh, getting explicit with it. But it's the kind of thing that makes people nervous if you do it in a PG thirteen movie for some reason. (laughs) Mm. But it's the kind of thing that happens for real, where like is as a part of a way to connect with this kid. Paul Giamatti's like, look at this Greek pottery, and it's like two dudes fucking each other, and he's like. That's what history is. History is. <laughs> this is like your Playboy magazine. History I mean, is. Say that, history is like two dudes fucking each other. There, there are no new ideas in the world. I'll show you something that you can think <laughs> is funny yeah. even now. Yeah, great, uh, great wintertime vibes. Uh, this is a good like. Um, you can imagine yourself walking around a place that's completely empty vibes. Mm-hmm. Like the school with no one there but three people is great. Yeah. Uh, so, so right. when I saw that trailer, it gave me extreme Breakfast Club. Yeah. And I think that might also be what pushed it up to the nominees is everybody's like, oh, Breakfast Club, because that's a classic. Yeah. You might not be yeah. thinking of that exactly, but definitely that kind of movie of like a, yeah, that's, a John Hughesy kind of. Let's, yeah. Everyone has yeah. a specific thing going on in their lives and we got to understand it by the mm-hmm. end of the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's good, though. I, I It is one that like uh, maybe because I watched it in two sittings across with an entire week vacation in between. But uh, I was a little lukewarm on this, but I think it is a good movie. And I, I definitely will rewatch this come next uh, Christmas time, probably. Mm. All right. Uh, next on the list, we've got Killers of the Flower Moon. And I would love to take point on this. I Is that going to be the thing you, you pick? Wow. This is it. If you're, if you're You've only got this. one. Yes. Uh, okay. no, Otherwise, we can over. say it's good and move on. Past lives, uh, poor things. Are we not going to talk about any of the things on the right side? Uh, We're done. You, uh, Past lives are poor things. Uh, oh God, they were both good. Uh, so we said we weren't going to talk okay. too much about Killers of the Flower okay. Moon because Killers, it was very I'll, talked I'll about just, already. I'll just we not, can say I'll, Marty did it. Marty did it. Uh, this movie does something very interesting that I would like to briefly mention and then move on. Which yeah, is you that read the whole book. I, that's what that. I wanted I'll to say. The, this so movie I, does something really good. I read the whole book. <laughs> I read the whole book, and in the book, they present it as kind of a mystery as to what is happening to the uh, the Osage people. 
uh, like who could be doing this because you're seeing this almost from the perspective of the FBI investors, investigators who come to the town to try and figure out why there's so many of them are dying. But you start the story on the side of the conspirators in this film. Really the, smart movie. The, really cool. the so death cool. that kicks off the events of this film is just shown to you almost in its complete, like, the complete from beginning to end conspiracy. And so there's no real mystery, but they still manage to surprise you with the extent of how evil and how big the conspiracy is. Yeah. It's just a smart move, too, because people would have been less excited to see a movie about the FBI than they were to see a movie. Well, I mean, Marty, uh, Scorsese is leaning into his deal. Yeah. yeah. Like, you want to see Robert De Niro do bad things in a movie he that he makes. is so good in this. And, like, so I just want to say that the scale of the evil in this movie and the willingness to show truly reprehensible people who existed for real yeah. while still making it incredibly entertaining the quickest three hours I watched this year. Yeah, it, this uh, would be fucking cooked for a yeah, movie this yeah. long. I think it's a little tough to watch bad things happen to good people for two hours and then to see some, some you know, moving forward and mm-hmm. justice getting started. But yeah, I, I still really, really love the, it. The... Uh, one of my favorite surprises of the year was uh, John Lithgow as one of the lawyers in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I was so stoked to see my boy. I think yeah. this is the one that I'll and Fraser, Brendan Fraser's in there too. Yeah, Brendan Fraser coming back. Mm-hmm. I think this is the one I'll rewatch the soonest. Yeah, I think the, this is this is huge for me for Scorsese's filmography specifically because I was not a huge Irishman guy. Mm. Uh, this is like. Like at least two or three times as good as the Irishman. I think. Oh wow! I rewatched yeah. the Irishman. I thought it was. I haven't seen it since it came out, so I, I probably I might. Yeah. All right. So we already talked Maestro, yeah. briefly. Uh, briefly. He was gay. He's anyone, gay. Anyone? Anyone got? <laughs> so Drew. Sorry. I'll, yeah, no. sorry, sorry. I'll finish it. I'll, I'll. We'll put in an update next week when we're talking about Spyro <laughs> or some shit. Uh, anyone got two sentences on Oppie? Um, um Oppie, very good. This is still my favorite movie of the year. Yeah, I'm I, putting I, the flag I think... in the ground. I think I might agree. I watched Honestly. it again a month or two ago, and I was still just as impressed with it. And it's I'm yeah, like, really good. I'm like a noted Christopher Nolan skeptic. I yeah. do not really like his. Movies. I was making fun oh, of yeah, him right up until that. the moment I walked into the theater. Yeah, I, was, I was bummed you guys are so down on it walking in. So well, yeah, we walk into the theater, and I'm talking so much shit, and then he's like, yeah, "You don't think I can make a movie, you motherfucker?" And he hits me with the fucking well, fat well, man I, and little boy. I mean, the biggest thing is like, I think giving him like a real story, you're making him more grounded. Does a lot, I think. Is this mm-hmm. the one you want to touch on, Seb? Do you think? Did you already do one? I already, already did, did one. American Fiction. Oh, okay. yeah. So I'm and the only we, one. We weren't going to really talk out. about uh, um, the big, big ones because everybody's yeah. already talked about them to death. I think this movie was like amazing in that it like. Uh, Killers of the Flower Moon was a, a movie from a director I love that I mm-hmm. loved. This is a movie from a director I don't really like that I love. I think, yeah. So I, it was a bigger win in my book. I, I, I liked that it took the story of you know the real Oppenheimer and brought it to audiences that weren't alive when it was happening or weren't cognizant of what was happening when Definitely it was happening a story that I didn't and it takes a real yeah. political stance too of mm-hmm. like of showing you these actions but and you know obviously Oppenheimer like he uh, went against his work later but even then people were still like you are still being a huge pussy about this. Like <laughs> you, you're a sniveling little worm, man. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, and Truman was such a fucking yeah. dick. Great, in that so movie. great to put Truman in there. I love that. He's like, I really love dropping the bomb. I wanted to do it. I would have yeah. done it again. Yeah. I would have done it a third yeah, time. Yeah, he's like, get this little bitch out of my office. And then Robert Downey Jr. as Strauss was amazing. All of the mm-hmm. intercut Can you interview he stuff. Has, like a real acting role. How, how locked is he as be- uh, best supporting? Ooh, he's, uh, he's definitely definitive. He's up against De Niro in fucking Killers. He's not, but I feel like that's such a good performance. Yeah. Um, I the, the biggest like surprise for me was that they like really went deep on the like hearing stuff and like all the flash yes. forward, flashback, yeah. intercut. Yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. Like most of us didn't know that actually happened. Right. Yeah. Like a lot of us knew. Like, oh yeah. I knew. Uh, I knew about Trinity. I knew they yeah, dropped I knew about a bomb the in Nevada. I knew about Oppenheimer on the surface. Like I knew he was, you know like worked on it but yeah. i didn't know and i i knew he was you know a big famous fem- physicist and in, in fact what i knew him more for was his theoretical physics work and not necessarily the bomb i, I was the surprised by the, all the communism stuff that's like basically yeah, the yeah. The there's movie. a lot of that oh yeah and they keep stuff. bringing it up of course like they it's, would have it's right the, it's the true through line of the movie yeah and i i really really and yeah. Oppie doesn't actually love communism all that much. He's like, he like likes it enough, but he's mostly doing it to get laid. And then, <laughs> yeah, uh, oh yeah, he does love get, having sex with married women. That's like a, a backbone of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Oppenheimer, really incredible movie. We all love it. Mm. Um, Great cinematography. Yeah, uh, so good. Sounds great. A surprising amount of restraint from Nolan, honestly. Yeah. Actually, blow up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. Hold on. Yeah. Before we get off that, I do I, the uh, the stinger at the end of this movie is uh, is cheesy, but I think they earn it. I think like I really liked the Robin the, the Kennedy. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, no, not not the Kennedy thing. Oh, I'm no. more thinking like the the last line of the movie when oh, he's like, yes. "I think we ended the world, Einstein." Oh. Uh, I think that that really fucking worked. I think it's a great mic drop, yeah, even yes. though it's like the stupidest thing ever That's if you were to describe it. Script writing of just like it's set up in the beginning and it, the payoff is. And Strauss it. is so yeah. obsessed with it's, what yeah. he said to Einstein. Yes. It's oh, it, he brings so it up like five times. Yeah, it has literally nothing hours. to do with him at all. Right. Yeah. Yep. It's good. Oh, man. Great stuff. Yeah, yeah, the Kennedy thing was Strauss does, silly. Yeah. Strauss does three <laughs> hours on. Why were you going to Mad at Me Island? Because <laughs> <laughs> you were yeah. mad at me. Yeah, Oppenheimer fucking on. Yeah, I'm the only one who's seen everything. Past Lives. Um, past Lives is a romance. It's all about. Uh, it's a romance between two uh, Koreans who have drifted apart completely in life. They. Uh, it is a semi autobiographical. Because uh, one went uh, to the elemental city and is wow. now We're not talking about elemental. <laughs> we can't do it. Uh, uh, left it, the fire this nation. Is, this is set in New York, isn't it? It's yes. in America. So uh, the uh, she's uh, taken an American name, uh, Nora, uh, and her, her parents moved to Canada when she was young, and she wanted to uh, go be. She wanted to be a writer in America. She writes a book, semi autobiographical. But he stays in Korea. He gets an engineering job. He does all this stuff. But she gets married to an American writer. And he doesn't. And they, when they were kids, they were 12 years old. And they were they had, like, crushes on each other. When I was and a then, kid, I was 12 years old, too. <laughs> Jealous. And, you were never 12 um, years old? They Skipped it. This whole movie is about so smart, them 12. reconnecting in the kind of Zoom and uh, Facebook look up people that you used to know age. 
and he comes to New York City for a vacation and they connect like there it's so clear to anyone who's looking at them the, the movie opens and you're it's uh, people looking at them from across a bar and having conversations like what do you think those pe- three people's relationship to each other it's Nora her husband and Hyson who is the the guy yeah, uh, from Korea the past lives yeah, guy yeah and so uh, it's like uh, I don't know maybe one of them's the translator and it's like no they're not they wouldn't be looking like that if they're the translator it's like they're trying to figure out it's somebody who is an uh, outside observer trying to figure out what who these three people are to each other yeah uh, Nora her American husband and the uh, the guy she left behind granted they, they this was years ago right so they reconnected when they're in their 20s through like Zoom and stuff. They were like talking every day. There's a really cute scene where she says, have you ever seen Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? And he's like, no, I haven't seen like any American films. And she's like, oh, it's pretty good. You should watch it. And the <laughs> next scene is him like on on the couch with the laptop on his stomach watching the movie. And That's it's, funny. Um, That's cute. This movie speeds right through. It's like a 90-minute movie. But oh. it is like all... It is all there. It's very self-contained. You know that there's no action. There's no big fight or big drama. The uh, the American boyfriend is like very nice. He like there are so many opportunities where it's like he could be evil it or seems possessive like he or would, anything. You'd like want him to be the he's villain, just, right? He's just like yeah. a nice guy. You like you could see why she would want to marry him. There's an incredible scene where after she goes to meet Hai Sun for the first time, after he's come to New York. He uh, he's just sitting on the couch playing Xbox. He's not like waiting up and worrying or whatever because he's like he's got gamer score like, to worry yeah, about. Yeah, he's like yeah, we got married and this is a guy that you used to know from Korea. I'm not worried that you're gonna go fucking cheat on me. Like what? I want to respect you and if you this is someone you want to see, you should go see him. Mm-hmm. Like that's a part of your life that I can't help you with. I can't speak Korean. And he's like he talks about how he's been trying to learn. He does some really bad Korean, oh, but like Aww. he's uh, you know he just seems like a totally normal good guy who is also a writer like her, and that's how they met. And uh, she is there's no real her being torn because in this love triangle, it's she already made the choice years ago. Yeah, but it's just the reappearance of this guy in her life life that makes her think about all this stuff. And neither of them are like shitheads you know they're both like just nice people but you can feel the chemistry between yeah, them it's not like yeah. she chose money or yeah like he's, you know, it's just one of them was close at one point in her life and it makes her think have I made a mistake with all this time that's what the past life stuff comes on maybe we were close in a past life they talk about the uh, yeah. the Korean concept of like the energy that you have built up between each other might be coming from past or future lives that you've got together they do some cool stuff with shots uh, and that's enough uh, about past lives. Do they do they speak in mostly Korean, or is, do they talk in English in this? It... They speak in mostly Korean, but Arthur, her husband, because he does not know any that's Korean, uh, English in all the scenes with him. I love and that. It's very, yeah. They got some good stuff. It's always there. good to catch a subtitled movie and somebody, have like, the American guy talk English. It's so funny. Jokes. Uh, somebody saw somebody joke online said watching this movie without subtitles is just giving yourself the Arthur experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the, the trailer for this looked really romantic. I mm-hmm. wanted to check it out. Yeah. yeah. Well, Valentine's Day. Yes. Uh, and today. Uh, the <laughs> last thing we all, uh, Cam, Alex, and I saw poor things together. Um, mm, interesting and had film. Wildly varying experiences. 
Uh, another I girl think, boss. Another win for our girl bosses. I think. Um, <laughs> I think Emma Stone did a really amazing job in this as a performance in this movie because basically it's like an acting seminar where you have to be like, uh, okay, act like you're two years old. Now act like you're four years old. It's like, what's the difference between those two? It's like, okay, uh, you have to. You don't know how to use your feet. You know how to use your feet a little bit better. Yeah. Or it's like, and now it's like, okay. Now you're fully coordinated, but you have trouble speaking. It's like, all right, you're you're hearing, you're learning how to dance for the first time. This is the first time you've ever seen anyone dance. Do what is what does that mean? And then it's like, okay, Mark Ruffalo, try to make her seem not totally insane by dancing behind her. Like try and help her save face. And he's like doing this insane, like hands on his hips, like kicking his feet like a yeah, rabbit. He's both, like leading and following, and that's mm-hmm. definitely a fascinating scene. scene. Good, good Ruffalo content. Mm-hmm. He's uh, like really interesting as a uh, very a full of himself guy who gets his life completely ruined. Mm-hmm. The uh, setting is very interesting like, from this. Entire us. movie, you have to watch a woman with a child's brain have sex every a lot. Scene. I would like to remind Most our viewers time, that this is a movie and it didn't really happen. Yes, but it, I was telling a story and I said it's it's just like those animes that are like she's actually a thousand years old. It is not like that. Mm, it kind of is that. It's literally a child's brain put in a woman's body, oh, and she's like, "That's true." Oh, what are we doing right now? Or do I want to do this? There's you know certain agency problems that are definitely at, at play in this movie. I have. <laughs> I have an hour's worth of argument in me about this, but luckily for you, we are at the end of our Oscar wow. show. Yeah. Talk about the setting, though, for, like, really quick. It's really cool okay. and uh, fantastic. Because I saw the trailer and it was a Wes Anderson very... movie came out this year. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of really good things in this movie. Yorgos yeah. Lanthimos uh, doing some really interesting uh, directing work, uh, using a fisheye lens to indicate that somebody is still kind of developing their point of view, showing you these weird scenes and just having you not question anything there's an insane part where they go to alexandria and there's this giant ski lift that takes them to fucking crash crushed ruined towers Willem Dafoe, every time he eats, he has to eject a giant <laughs> gas bubble. He has to burp a big bubble. It's Literally cute. Like bubble, bubble bobble. Yeah, like he opens his <laughs> mouth. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> big bubble. Like he's Sonic eating eating, eating the air it's bubble. It's bizarre. It is very bizarre. There's huh. some really good things about it, but that was like it's a yeah. It's a deeply voice. bizarre film that was uh, at, at parts alienating and at parts fascinating. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a really beautiful story. That's okay. Embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> that for you to hear me say that? Yeah, it's embarrassing for me that you have that opinion. You're related to him. Sorry. I know. Jesus Christ. Uh, and uh. the zone of interest. I heard those Nazis had a good time. <laughs> I think that is part of the problem in that movie. But uh, I really wish I had gotten the I chance know. to see this. I, this yeah. is like number one or two on my I want to watch it. But unfortunately, who it's new. This movie is talking about how like insanely good it is. yeah i and i don't i feel like i could be disappointed watching this movie with how much that i think i will enjoy it so i don't want to make those huge claims now but i'm gonna get a chance Especially, to watch this i've been hearing that the sound design is so good and like knowing what the sounds in this movie yeah, are yeah, there could potentially like, be some interesting noises you yeah, might hear but hmm. like that makes me want to see the it definitely be yeah better experience but the whole thing might oh, be well. just too depressing for me. I mean, mm-hmm. It's real, and we do need it's, to be reminded of these things. These kinds of movies are hard to like go decide to watch too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like, yeah. I was really looking forward to a theater because I could just do like I should, could just shotgun it all yeah. in one. I, w- I was interested in it, but I think I definitely would want to watch it like at home so I can like step away if I need to. 
Yeah, or positive. Or yeah. yeah, I did. Um, when we did this last year, I did All Quiet on the Western Front, which is not, which is a war movie. It's more about the war. Was that uh, another? Did Netflix put that one out? Or I, no, it was a German movie. Okay, so no. So I, they might have just Netflix, put so, it on Netflix. Yeah. But that was another one where I'm like, oh boy, I'm excited <laughs> to watch World War One atrocities. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I. Oh, flicks. Uh, all right. Sorry, no, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, this is a ki- absolutely killer li- killer lineup, though. Uh, I do not really care who wins. That's not, never what this episode of mine is about. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was a good year for movies. Yeah, it's more fun to just go through the discussion. Um, I'm a little sad that there's like no Asteroid City noms, but like it's like who cares? Like we know, like is there no production design? Nothing. Or not like, anywhere. That is an Oscar, though, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, quiet. it just didn't get anything. It's yeah. just so good looking. Like, it's mm-hmm. a good looking movie. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but uh, we know from years of having heard about the Oscars that they are stupid bullshit and yep. it's fake. Last year, it's, a movie that nobody watched fake, won. <laughs> and then that Just Okay Fish movie won. Oh, wow. Oh, I like that one a lot. Yeah. Is it as any good as any of these movies? No. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> it was good. I liked it. Oh, man. I, I feel like. Uh, I feel like sometimes I am coming from a different planet. Sometimes people have different yeah, opinions. Unfortunately, sometimes and people live on other planets. Oh, yeah, but you guys act like I should be executed for my. Opinion. I think you yeah, liked, you probably what, should. What a baby's brain and a woman and a guy had sex with her. You guys just can't handle the real European sex pervert movies. Oh. <laughs> uh, real this quick, is why none of you watch Titan. Real quick before we That's go, I just want to uh, I, I want to shout out uh, to my Saltburn Nation, my grave fuckers and uh, backwater drinkers. <laughs> sick, sick bastards movie. That's that a good that movie, movie fucking ruled. It is not for everyone, but I had a fucking amazing I, time with it. I thought it was good, but I just didn't end up really liking the story too much of that movie. Yeah. It's weird. It's a, a bizarre one. That is my deeply bizarre love of the year. That will be remembered, I think. That yeah. Napoleon was short. Napoleon was short, and so was the movie. <laughs> <sighs> so we have. This was a massive episode. It's going to be a bitch to edit. John Wick. John Wick. John Wick. <laughs> really good. Uh, the, the Hotline Miami gun scene. Uh, so it's, I'm proud to announce that John Wick is our film of the year for yeah. uh, the one we didn't talk about. But of course, yeah. David Lynch is Dune. Uh, yes. Dune. This year it's going to have some stiff competition, though. They're putting out another one. Dune 2. Yeah. It's only Dune Part 2 mm-hmm. of the movie. I cannot wait to start talking about Thufir Hawat again. Wow. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the Sardukar warriors doing their throat singing and uh, the Gamjabar, which is Cam's favorite thing. Worm. There's worm. The spice, the spice melange. All right, what is happening next? Hand next week, box. I've got. Uh, how much time do you guys think you have next week? Oh boy. Not. Not any. No. So no. you guys, what do you guys want? Like I do not want movie. a video game. <laughs> no, I'm not, not going to do a video game. Okay, I'll do whatever else, but not a video game. Currently, I had an what idea about for a movie an episode. that's about Oscars. Were you going to do comic books? I was. I, I had an idea for that, but earlier today I came up with an idea that I really wanted to do, but it's something that actually takes effort, so I don't know if anyone's open to it. I would love if we did each picked out a monologue for the show and practiced it. Like, choose something, whether it's something you read or something you saw in a movie or whatever, 
and just try and get it down, get it in your own voice. So we're doing kind of way. voice acting? We're auditioning? Yeah, that kind of thing. Like okay. like how you okay. would do for an audition. Okay. It I, seems like it would take 10 minutes to read something. Yeah, that seems... Yes, short, but also idea, a lot of brain power that, that I don't want to. I, yes, that was the idea. I, I can read it twice. The idea is that you would practice it and get a feel for it throughout the week. Something that you would act like decide on at the beginning of the week and then do it. For example, one that I was thinking of is Jeffrey Wright's monologue in Asteroid City, where he tells the story of his life and he moves up. He walks forward. Sorry, and he walks forward and keeps like extending new microphones to talk into. Uh, or he tells the story. Of uh, you know going, but you would want us Wars, to didn't. walk around and do that though, right? No, I just mean okay. I'm just giving an example what of what the speech option? was. Uh, the other option is I have been reading some old ass comics lately, and they've been really good. Uh, I was considering busting out the ancient Tintins for this because uh, okay. uh, wow. Tintin, Tintin, and That's the a little guy, uh, right? Red you have to read those little jokes. It's a movie about uh, a small man. It's no, it's a. Uh, is he a toy? Are you, are you confusing this with Bazooka Joe? Eventually, yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's a fun adventure stories uh, back when they were still allowed to be a little racist. And, uh, I don't think I could pull one Bazooka Joe specific. <laughs> Belgian yeah, comic yeah. with some good stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I also read some Conan the Barbarian. Some uh, Ultimate Comics Spider-Man is incredibly good. But So what is it? Read an old comic or do Tintin? It would. I would give you the specific old comic. Okay. To read. okay. I would, I would, you would do, rather that. do that. I would rather do that this okay. week. Okay. All right. The monologue will be saved for another time when people okay. are more emotional. I can still it. practice a monologue. Yes. Just unrelated. Right. Practice your monologue about Tintin. All right. All right. So we're going to be reading some old Tintin comics for next week. I'll uh, post the links uh, in our thing for it. And I think you guys are going to enjoy it because there's something very pulpy and classical about them. That is like, it really does give you the feeling of just like, oh, like, this is what a story could be if you shaved off all of the parts that aren't as good. <laughs> like it's a, it's like someone really using the medium of comics to tell a fun, cool story in a way that could totally capture the imagination of someone with no fat whatsoever. And we'll talk about it more next week. I've only heard anything with reverence for the Tintin. I remember reading them in the library when I was when we were at oh, elementary that's school. That's that's how I that's how I uh, first experienced them. But they didn't have the ones that were this old, so I'm discovering lots of new things. The first one is him going to Moscow, and it's great. Uh oh, that's in like the 40s. It's it's like 41. Going to hang out with the czar. This this is a, a Belgian guy writing about Russia as an exotic place, and it's very fun. Um, all right. Uh, that's enough of us for this week. I hope you've enjoyed our movie episode because uh, right now we're all about to kill each other. Oh, it, it, yes. Movie. Check out Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. <laughs> <laughs> that's your best animated picture. <laughs> that's Uncharted for, game. For, the, for when they animated Harrison Ford's face. All right. <laughs> See you next week, everyone. Bye. Bye.